My name is Christian Wagner, and I'm the Militant Thomist. So today, we are going to be debunking the debunking of our debunking by David. So David has decided to have... I wonder if the stream is still going. He, When I last checked, it was still going. Let's see. David. Let's see? There's something about modal collapse or something. I have no idea. I don't know. I didn't watch the video. I just saw that a live stream was going on, and it was obviously in reference to me. Let's see. Okay. Uh, Filioque leads to modal collapse. So, now that's the whatever. But we're going to be. Oh, there's. De we're going to be having two special guests. We're going to be having Dende and Basarian in. So. While I wait for Basarian to get in, I will be doing some Q&A, and then we'll get right into it. How are you doing, Dende? Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you, Dende. Yeah, I'm going to see if he if he decides to come on, because I was like, yo, I was like, yo, MT is inviting us on, and then he was just like, I'm in the shower. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see if he decides. There's no he'll excuses. Probably, he'll probably be on. He'll probably be on in like ten minutes. We'll, okay. we'll just hang this, out until he responds. This video is two hours and two minutes. But I, I want to read the while I wait for you guys to to send in some questions. I want to read just the the description to this video. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, this is the video. Filioque leads to modal collapse, refuting Roman Catholicism. So are we deep? Okay, everybody remember, thumbs down the video, okay? Thumbs up this video, not... Okay, let's, uh, let's see. After spending more than a week in the wild... Oh, very nice, David. I am back and ready to take on a particular Roman Catholic pseudo-apologist. You know, I'm actually more offended that he called me an apologist than he called me pseudo, because I utterly repudiate the title of apologist. I hate it. Who, in his attempt to try and stop the bleed of Roman Catholics converting to orthodoxy... Hey, Dende, uh, have you noticed a bleed of Roman Catholics converting to orthodoxy? Um, not very much. Due to Roman Catholicism's anti-patristic doctrine of filioque, not only has utterly failed in his defense, and this should be he has utterly failed in his defense, but we'll forgive him because he's not a native English speaker, so I don't want to dunk on him for his grammar. I mean, it's very impressive to speak a second language. 
but has gone as far as to vindicate the thesis that the filioque doctrine has an inherent arianism applied to the holy spirit to it arianism applied to the holy spirit very interesting david very nice that's that's really crazy considering why, why, why doesn't he call me like a um a pseudo tamakian or something Brighton. You know, a pneuma tamakian not pseudo tamakian pneuma tamakian a spirit fighter that'd be kind of cool I will be going through various patristic sources on the filioque and statements to prove my case. Oh, okay. And the tags. Let's see the the tags. Filioque. Filioque refuted. Filioque is Arian. Filioque J. Dyer. Filioque Arian. Arianism. Filioque heresy. Filioque explained. Filioque debate. Filioque controversy. Filioque orthodox. Filioque controversy explained. Filioque clause. Filioque Roman Catholic. Filioque schism. Filioque Catholic versus orthodox. David Irhan Filioque. The Real Med White Filioque. J. Dyer Filioque. R.C. Filioque. Roman Catholicism refuted. Ads refuted. Absolute divine simplicity refuted. Okay. Oh my, he's he's gonna be going for a lot. I see. So are are you are you scared, Dende? Because I'm I'm pretty scared right now. I I am, bro. He's he's gonna bro, he's... destroy us, bro. I'm gonna I'm gonna find out that I'm actually secretly an Aryan, and I and the filioque definitely wasn't added to uh, to fight Aryans. It's actually secretly Aryan itself. Yeah, so so true. Like like bro the monarchy of the father is like not secretly aryan at all like the orthodox are not secretly aryans we we're the real aryans wait wait do we have since he likes j dyer too so much um do we have that quote from j dyer on the trinity um let me see okay and i'm actually just going to uh post it uh this is asking me to copy the link I guess I could just copy the link and then put it. So we have a nice quote from J. Dyer when it comes to the Trinity. And I want to ask you if this seems Arian or not. Okay, here it is. So this is from J. Dyer from his Discord. So this is legit. We didn't just make it up. How are they say if they are of the Father? They derive their hypostasis and the divine nature that comes with the hypostatic reality from the hypostasis of the Father. The Father is the one God, not the essence. Typically, causation and movement in the Godhead is always personal, not essential. It begins with the person of the Father who generates the Son, and in that generation communicates to the Son the same essence he has, same with spirit. That's the monarchia, autotheos as the PDF shows, is the Father's unique role. It's the same as being soul cause. It's the same as being self-existent. Son and Spirit are not self-existent. They derive their existence from the Father. So that's an interesting quote, Jay. The, the Father is the one God, not the essence. The Father is the one God, not the essence. Bro, so, that's, that's so real. That's not Arian at all. Like That's not like suspect of heresy at all. The other ones, they, they can be taken in a in an orthodox sense, but the Father is one God, not the essence. That definitely cannot be taken that, in an orthodox yeah, sense. Uh, I don't know what he meant by that. I'll be honest. Um, that's a, a very weird quotation. Yeah, in the New Testament, um, the, the notional name that's given to the, to the Father is clearly God. Yeah. But I mean, in later Trinitarian theology, like we have reserved God for, for the essence as an essential predicate. So I don't know what is what he's what he's getting about with uh with the essence not being God, only the father being God. 
seems like i don't know this might this kind of does sound like arianism some like weird no patrick that's moodle collapse it's moodle collapse guy okay so people are asking what is the name of the song that plays in the intro that is the song of kings so if you just look up song of kings it should pop up and then elijah is saying boo dende so dende do you have any response to that um no, I have no, I have no response to Mr. Hallberg. I'm very sorry. Very sorry, Hallberg. You're a good guy, but you always come in the VC at the wrong times. Oh yeah, he comes in the VC right when we're dunking on the Orthodox. I kind of feel bad. Like we only dunk on the Orthodox like five percent of our VCs, so it's it's very unfortunate that it happens to be. This times my son has entered into the room. Augustine, hey, come on, buddy. Oh man, yeah. Ugh, she cut his she cut his hair, and look at this. It's not good. <laughs> it's okay. It's good. This this man, this man, he wrote De Trinitate just to own the Orthodox. So Augustine. True. I love how I named my son. I just named my son Augustine just to own the Orthodox because I know a lot of the online ones hate him. Hate uh, Augustine. Augustine is going to help us talk about the filioque today. Obviously, he's going to destroy them. Okay, so anything can be non-patristic if you throw all the patristic sources out as being forgeries. <laughs> Honestly, I think the Greek version of the Nicene Creed is a forgery. I think they, like, I, I am utterly convinced that the Greeks took out the filioque from the original creed. So true. I agree. Sounds like Bo Branson's Orthodox Unitarianism, with only the Father is God by nature, and the Son and Holy Ghost is God by participation. Yeah, that does sound like Arianism. That is, that exactly is Arianism. Very interesting. Branson. So who's Bo Branson? Do you know who Bo Branson is? Me? No, I've never heard of him. Who is that? No, I have no idea. <laughs> so VRO, it's because stupid, dumb Latin theologians approach the Trinity from essence to persons, whereas epic Orthodox approach from persons and proceed to the essence. Yeah, that's just like... Like, it was so funny. I saw uh, Father Father Lagrange, because this was, like, something almost all of the manualists were discussing in the 20th century and saying, like, yeah, this is stupid and wrong. Like, they had, like, um, I think the STS has an, a good appendix on this, for example. Then Nicolas has a chapter. But Lagrange, when he covers this idea, Lagrange is just like, yeah, that's true. And that's why the Orthodox are dumb and wrong. <laughs> I can't remember what he says, but he just absolutely owns them. It's great. Dang, Basarian shower. I know. I'm gonna call. Should I call him again? Call him on stream. I'm, I'm not, okay. I'm gonna call him on stream, and then he'll probably like, um, say something extremely offensive. So actually, you know, I'm gonna mute myself just in case. Okay. Good. 
Okay, so Bo Branson is an online Eastern Orthodox apologist who tries defending his Arianism as a form of analytical Cappadocian tridology. Triadology. 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 Oh, that's probably the right one. He thinks the Western view is modalism. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I've actually run into some Eastern Orthodox uh, online, and it's so weird. How they accuse like literally everybody else of getting the Trinity wrong. And they have so is isn't that just suspicious? That they accuse of everybody of getting the Trinity wrong and they're the ones that are like retarded on the Trinity. That's just crazy. Very crazy. I'm really suspect that oh so Bo is just a a heretic then. No, Dende when he gets when he gets off the off the call, he needs to tell us about how John of Montenegro um, utterly owned, um, quote unquote, Saint Mark of Ephesus, and then Bessarion, Bessarion of Nicaea. He also owned, just utterly owned everybody. I have this quote pulled up from Cardinal Bessarion. Bro, He's absolutely destroyed ju- him. Ju- just, I don't know, but he just declined my call. So I don't know. I don't know, like what he's doing, bro. He's 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 gonna be taking like, probably be taking a shower for like days. I don't know, bro. Uh, hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, he just I'm declined just my call. I'm just. Oh, okay. I get it now. I get it now. Okay. I was, there was this uh, quote from Cardinal Bessarion that was in Latin and I was trying to translate it in my head, but actually they just provide the English translation right after it. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I do have this quote from Cardinal Bessarion who utterly owns them. So this is your, your Greek father for you. This was Cardinal Bessarion at the council of Florence. The Latin fathers teach most clearly and eloquently that the Holy Ghost proceeds from the Son, and that the Son, like the Father, is his principle. We have also demonstrated that the Greek fathers, too, agree in this teaching of the Latins, some of them saying that the Spirit proceeds from the Father through the Son, while others declare that he proceeds from the Father and the Son, or from both, which manifestly means that he proceeds also from the Son. Well, according to some, it's not manifest. Mark of Ephesus was one of the most evil men I've ever had the displeasure of reading about. Wait, actually, tell us, tell us, I want to hear about uh, John of Montenegro. I'll, I'll give Vasarian like another, oh, like do want, five do minutes. Me, yeah, do you want me to tell? Okay, so, so John of Montenegro, um, he was a Dominican theologian, and he was one of the ones selected to combat Mark of Ephesus. And essentially what happened was um, Mark of Ephesus gave a very lengthy speech in, in an attempt to try and disprove like um, – like I don't know. I, I think it was either the essence – and he tried to disprove like uh, the lack of distinction between essence and energies or like the filioque. He, he, he essentially had this very, very lengthy conversation and – it was probably maybe a day long, 
And then the next person to go was his opponent, which was John of Montenegro. And he was like scheduled to go for the next day. And Mark of Ephesus just didn't show up that day when John of Montenegro was supposed to speak. Like, and there are like recordings of the Greeks saying like, oh yeah, Mark of Ephesus pretended to be sick because he just didn't want to hear what Montenegro was going to say. Like, this is recorded very well about Mark of Ephesus. He just didn't want to even hear any of the arguments from the Latins. He just wanted to argue and then not listen. Like, typical I, I, Greeks. Yeah. Yeah. Many such cases. It's, it's, it's really, it's really, um, cringe. But the funny thing is that all of the Greeks that said, uh, it's actually in the same passage, all of the Greeks that said, Mark of Ephesus pretended to be sick, said that John of Montenegro refuted every single argument Mark of Ephesus put out, and then some. Like, he responded to all of them. So Mark of Ephesus had nothing. Like, he put out his statements, the next day was refuted, and he never responded to any charges against him. Absolute giga chad. Yeah. And then my favorite part is uh, Mark of Ephesus. The fact that he didn't know how to refute <laughs> the Latins. So he just word for word stole from, uh, yeah. from uh, Blessed John Duns Scotus's works against St. Thomas in an effort to refute him. Yeah. Gennadius does a very similar thing where he just reads Scotus. Like... <laughs> no, really? Really? Gennadius, like. In a lot of his, like, th- I'm not even kidding. And you can ask Bizcat about this because Bizcat and I, this is one of the first conversations I ever had with him. He probably doesn't even remember this. But it was essentially Bizcat just admitting, like, well, you can hold to a formal distinction between the essence and energies because Gennadius Scalarius said so. <laughs> and it was, like, really funny because Scalarius just, like, Scalarius was just bad, okay? He was just really bad. I know he stabbed us in the back. It's so sad. Yeah. He he, he originally was pro-union, and then Mark of Ephesus on his deathbed was like, you will not be pro-union. And then yeah. Scalarius was like, oh, okay, I guess. And then was was anti-union. So yeah. I know we, we had, like, it's kind of crazy to me how long the union actually lasted. And how long like, did it every, last? I Those think, my- if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't know, I haven't read about the Council of Florence. I think the union lasted for like 40 years. Dang. 40? Did you say 40 years? I I swear I heard somebody say that. I think I think it uh it depends on really who you ask because like you know, um like the Lat- like Latins would probably say like oh, 40 years, but then the orthodox would probably say it never happened or something like that. Like it just doesn't no one really knows because it's it's at what point does the union really become a union? Well, I guess the the fall would have would have happened um I guess the fall would have happened after the fall of Constantinople, which would have been in um When did the fall of Constantinople happen? 1450 something. I don't know, but all I, all I do know, 1453. There you go. 
Yeah, dang. So I guess it didn't last for 40 years. Maybe I just made that up. <laughs> Source, I made it up. <laughs> so true. Bro, you forged that. That was a forgery. I, I, it was a forgery. Yeah, I guess it didn't last that long at all because the, the council ended in 1449. Did it? Maybe... The no, that not the one. Did the Council of Trent take place? When did the Council of Florence take take place? Fourteen forty nine, yeah. And then it fell in, yeah. So I guess maybe I misheard forty. <laughs> it's actually four years. Okay, never, four, never four years. <laughs> That's like wow, four years. Wow. Uh, okay, yeah, maybe I just just misheard it. Do you want okay, now to... let's let's see. Okay, there's some Orthodox copers in here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ban you guys. I'll let you guys stay in the chat as long yeah. as you play nice. You, he, he you can say I'm wrong. You, I, he won't. won't ban you, but I will. Except if you're Elijah, then you can yeah. stay because but no, no, cult of modernism has been here for a while too. I re I respect that. If you've been here for a while, I probably won't ban you. Like John Politis had to literally blaspheme a saint in order to get banned. So Okay, so uh, yeah, do you want me to call him again to see? Call Basarian again. I'm gonna call him one last time, and if he doesn't show up, what do you want? Me to, what do you want to do? Like, if he doesn't come on, should I just like, should we just turn this into a chill stream, or do you want to just go ahead and refute Aaron, like David? Oh wait, Aaron. Um, what do you want? Okay, to do? I might, I might just, just, just call him, and then we'll figure it out afterwards. All right. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you <laughs> what he just responded. He just sent me like a message like this minute. I'm gonna send you what oh he sent me. And Sarian is typing. When uh, will yeah, that I be? I want you to read this. I want you to read this. I'm gonna don't. I'm not gonna send it on stream. I'm not gonna like read on stream. But I'm just gonna send it in your DM. <laughs> read it. Read it. What? <laughs> <laughs> who cares basarian just come on i don't know bro. I okay no no he lit he he sent in the chat so he dropped a sub subway meal in the bin over the weekend i'm assuming the bin is what they call the trash can yeah it dripped some toxic waste now my room smells bad give me 10 minutes to try to get rid of it please okay Another ten minutes. <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay, bro. It's, it's okay. It's okay. It's 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 fine. It's fine. I have all night for this. All night. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We, so there's we some... here at militant Thomist HQ like to like to hang out and troll. Troll the Greeks. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense for Romans to resent Saint Mark. Yeah. Quote Saint Mark, given his role in rejecting Western confusion and innovation. Yes, we just confuse and innovate. You got us. Okay, so St. Mark of Ephesus is one of the biggest gigachad in history and a good defender of Christendom. He literally just refused to listen to people. That's all he did. Like, 
That's <laughs> what happens when you get all your info from third-hand polemics. Where did you get all your info from, Dende? Um, do you want me to get the quotes? Like, I, I got them from, like, the Greek, like, I got it from the, um, the Greek, like, uh, book on what happened at the council. Like, the Greeks themselves just writing down the acts of the council. <laughs> Bro, your quotes are forgeries. Bro, I got, I got them from the acts of the council of you, Florence. You, you forged them, dude. All these quotes are forgeries. <laughs> They're all forgeries. I didn't make these up. I didn't make it up or anything. It's Dende from the... currently forging on stream. <laughs> bro, it's uh, bro, it's fake, guys. The Greek, what the Greeks themselves said about the council, it's fake. We, our, our own things are forgeries, guys. Trust we us. We forge them. I mean, the Greeks, <laughs> the Greeks are pretty good at making forgeries. Not gonna bro. lie, they're extra forgery makers. <laughs> bro, bro, this is like, this is like what we make fun of, but they're actually doing it. In real time. In real They're time. like, <laughs> what? Yeah, to be fair, I did get mine from, from a secondary source. Although I have read the the Acts of the Council of Florence. It's pretty, it's actually one of, uh, it's definitely not longer than uh, Vatican II. Vatican II was like crap ton. Vatican I's kind of shorter. Uh, Trent is, if you read, the, if you include the catechism, it's like very, very long. But Florence is an absolute beast to read all of the Acts of Florence. It took me like four or five hours. And if you guys want to read the count, if you guys want to read the Acts of the Council of Florence to show how how the Greeks forged um, forged quotes, uh, you can get it on papalencyclicals.net. Gotquestions.org. What happened at the Council of Florence? Oh, I, I think that might be a good source. Um, let me get the quotes. Let me get the source there. The Council of Basil Ferreira, Florence. There you go. Okay. St. Mark of Ephesus was based, completely destroyed Latin subhumans. It's, it's really funny because people will be like, bro, Arius was wrong. And the only reason that he uh, was like still a heretic at the time of his death or whatever all these other heretics like because he didn't listen but then it's like bro mark of ephesus is so based because he didn't listen like no <laughs> what <laughs> all he did was just refuse to elaborate on anything and then when people brought up arguments against him he just didn't listen the scalarius never affirmed a formal distinction get owned yeah, I don't know, that was that was Biz. Yeah, he Bizcat did. That was that was Bizcat who said it. That's why Bizcat. That's why Bizcat is called like the Byzantine Scotus because he likes like he's Eastern Catholic. <laughs> yeah, he's literally Eastern Catholic and has read them. And yeah, he's... he actually did. Scalarius, Scalarius actually commented in I think I believe was it Gennadius Scalarius who wrote a uh translation of the summa yeah he's the one that did yeah Greek. he was the one that said thomas aquinas would believe in a formal distinction like out of nowhere he just randomly said okay, it wasn't i i might be mixing up with something else but the reason that uh cardinal Bessarion was was no it was somebody else there was one like is it door of kiev it might be him the reason that they got converted is because the dominican he came to the dominicans to learn um to learn latin 
And the Dominicans were like, okay. And then they taught him Latin. They're like, okay, as a final project, could you translate the Summa Contra Gentiles into Greek? And he's like, okay. And then he translated the whole thing. And then he's like, oh, crap, Latins are right. And then converted. I, no, it wasn't, it wasn't Isidore. Okay, Isidore, it was some, converted, it was... Isidore converted at Florence. Oh, I might have. I might have just made something up. <laughs> bro, you forged it, bro. I forged bro, this, it. These are the Latin Real forgeries time. they're talking about. Real-time forgery. Okay, Bessarion will be in here eventually, I promise, guys. Bro, he he, he totally will. Believe he's, us. He's been, he's been holding this off for like 30 minutes. Okay, he, this stream he, sucks. Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about this one, bros. I'm sorry. Bro, it, he, he has to fix his sandwich. There was no union. The East never accepted Florence. So true, dude. So That's true. not even fake. Like he's right. He's just right. He's right. Dude, he's he is right. Bro, bro, remember remember when they remember when Serbia refused to send any legates to Florence thinking that was going to like make the council like non-ecumenical and then they all got like murdered by the Ottomans like 10 years ago. <laughs> that, was, that was crazy. That was like a crazy moment. <laughs> That okay, that, that wasn't that wasn't funny. I don't know. I'm sorry. It's true though. They they literally refused to send any legates to the Council of Florence because they were like, "Bro, we're we're gonna hold off. We're gonna hold off the Latins. We're we're gonna hold off the Ottomans. We're doing great for ourselves." And then the Ottomans invaded, and then they got absolutely destroyed. Well can't be represented if you're dead i guess just what is the point of bishops if an ecumenical council can be rejected by the laity yeah pretty true that's pretty true bro you don't understand my reception theory you don't understand dude my reception that's it's, yeah so true so, yeah reception theory is just dumb so a lot of these uh a lot of these um arguments about like reception like it wasn't permanently recepted received in the east well, who cares? The Council of Nicaea wasn't permanently received in a lot of places. Didn't make it any less ecumenical. Like, no, the Council of Nicaea wasn't ecumenical for like 70 years because it wasn't received in a lot of places. Very, very true. Very true. Also, also, I mean, like, this is a similar argument that like Sedes would make. I actually know one of the so a long time ago, like three years ago, when I didn't really know that much about like the difference between like Catholicism and said of and things like that there was one guy who said like said of is possible because some random like german polemicist said that like oh there the pius the 12th was the last pope and i was like that was their supposed well he wasn't universally accepted like that's not what he, like <laughs> that doesn't apply to the laity a lay, a, a lay person can say whatever they want. It, it's not binding at all. Let I mean, me see. I've been Orthodox for years. Okay. Yes, please get the quotes. Oh. Agent Intellect. How did he throw St. Gregory of Nyssa under the bus? He literally used St. Gregory in his arguments. Which books? I forged them. So true. Okay, Den uh, Bessarion is literally in, in the Curia call right now. And he said, <laughs> join the Curia. I don't think he knows we're literally streaming right now. We're streaming, yeah. He He's going to be in in a minute. Give me, give me a second. I'm going to leave this, and then I'm going to go tell him how to come here, okay? Okay. Okay, okay I'll be right back.
Okay, let's see. They'll be back in like five minutes. St. Gregory of Nyssa didn't even believe in purgatory because he was a universalist dummy. I mean, it's like saying, like, uh, it's interesting. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas always, when he covers um, purgatory against the Greeks, he always is, always uses the uh, the example of originism as the uh, the one error on one side that was that was too. I don't even know what to call it. Um, too intense? No, no, no. Too magnanimous? I, I don't even know what to say. But yeah, uh, if you're a universalist, um, like hell is basically purgatory for you. So interesting um, that he didn't believe in purgatory. Because I guess technically you could say he did believe in purgatory in a sense. Vissarion, he's for such a smart guy, he's, he's very dumb sometimes. You guys are lazy. All you have is sarcasm. Okay, Pepe, bruh, three. Thank you uh, for for your intent, your very um, good critique of me. <laughs> Wait, what? The Summa was translated into Latin in the 13th century towards the end of Palamas's life. I'm assuming you mean from Latin or into Greek. Okay, good. I finally, I finally have a question. What is the what's the worst issue our church faces today? Oh gosh, the Nouvelle Theologie and their lies. That is that is the worst. Where did Scholarius affirm a formal distinction? I don't know. I don't make the claim. Byzantine Scotus made the claim, so I guess you can ask him. The donation of Constantine is real. Very true, King. Very true. Do you actually believe the Filioque was in the original creed, or are you just trolling? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yes and no. Yes and no. Because when it comes to uh, the idea of an original Nicene creed, that's a bit anachronistic because we see throughout the period between the Council of Nicaea and the Council of Constantinople, we see a lot of different creeds floating around, a lot of different versions. When it's translated in other languages, uh, sometimes entire parts are added or taken away. So it's really uh, that it's impossible to speak of like the Nicene Creed. So it's entirely possible that one of the original creeds uh, had the filioque in it, especially one of the original Latin versions of the creed. That's entirely, entirely possible. So I joke around about the Greeks taking the filioque out, but not not actually. <clears throat> Hello. Yeah, he, he will be on in like three minutes. We just we just we're almost there, Rose. We're almost there to be stream ready. We're almost oh there gosh. to start the David Erhan video. He just said oh like three gosh. minutes. Okay, I'm gonna make myself coffee. You talk about something, okay? Okay. Okay. Uh, while militant Thomist is getting coffee, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, something really important that in my in my life, at least. And this is very important. This might be going off the rails, but like this is really cool. So um, you might not know this, but if you want to make a really good macaroni and cheese, 
you have to get an emulsified cheese or a cheese that will emulsify and add it with, uh, I believe it's Gruyere. So I see a lot of people making macaroni and cheese and then they'll put like, you know, the, the crust on it. They'll put the, what it, whatever it's called, um, like the little uh, breadcrumbs on top and then they'll bake it, right? And the problem with this is like, they, well, they use the wrong kind of cheese. You need a cheese that will emulsify. For example, you want a cheese like, oh, let's say um, like a craft like a craft processed cheese, you want a little bit of that in there. And then you and then on top of it, you want to add your other cheeses. You can't just put like, oh, let me just throw in some like cheddar and Swiss and Gruyere. Because that when you when you bake that, like it it works, but like it'll when it cools down, the cheese hardens. But like if you have an emulsified cheese, kind of like a craft, if you ever made craft mac and cheese, like it stays like liquidy and gooey and you really want to add like a like a craft single or something into the cheese mixture when you're making homemade mac and cheese it's, it's extremely important uh, i go like everywhere for like thanksgiving i go over like many family members houses and i'm too shy to tell them bros you gotta make sure to put an emulsified cheese in with your other cheese and like they, I mean, I wish I could tell them so that they could improve the quality of their mac and cheese. Um, but, like, you know, I'm just too scared. Okay, he's back. What were I'm you done. talking about? Uh, I was, I, dude, I was just talking about really important theological stuff to own them all. Like, that's what. So who that's was what scared? I was talking about. Huh? Who was scared? No, I was, I was, dude, I was owning them all on theology. That's what I was talking about. Okay. So do you yeah. believe in integralism? Yes, I do believe in integralism. I mean, I'm a Catholic. A Catholic has so, to believe in integralism. So true. Read, read the book by uh, Father Crean. So true. He put out a book by that. Very true. That. Oh, yeah, his like manual of integralism. It's pretty good. Yeah. So orthodox, more like orthosmel control. Real. You mean Greek? Yeah, I'm assuming you mean What? CT is here? Crazy. Oh, yeah. He's a militant Thomas fan. So true, CT. Yeah. It was so funny. One day we had CT, um, we had Sam Shamoon, and we had Paleocrat in the chat at the same time. So that was that was a pretty base stream right there. What are we talking about then, regardless? We're waiting for Basarian to we're, come We're in. waiting for him to come on. He's cleaning his room because he made a sandwich and left it in his room and then it smelled up his whole room so he's cleaning his room he'll be on in a minute does okay this is a good question does the roman catholic church have a doctrine of the noose uh yes well base basically basically i feel like um what the orthodox i've heard described as the noose seems to be like the agent intellect would, would, would you would you agree dende Huh, sorry, well, I wasn't I wasn't listening. I got a message on Discord. So what the Eastern Orthodox seems to describe as the noose seems to be what we would say is the agent intellect. Yeah, I've yeah, I would guess so. I mean, I haven't really covered this topic myself, but I see a lot of people say the same thing. So I'm just going to say, yeah, sure. OK, <laughs> it, that, that's what it seems to be describing. So, yeah, we do have a doctrine of the noose. We just describe it differently, just like how. um what, what what's another one I've heard? Oh yeah, the um, 
the Roman Catholics don't have a doctrine of the Logoi. It's like, yeah, we do. It's just it, it, we have an I we have a doctrine of the ideas in the mind of God. Like we've read Augustine and Plato. Like it's it's basically the same thing as what Maximus says, but in different language. That's a trope that Byzantine Catholics push, namely that Eastern Orthodox are basically SCOTUS, which is nonsense, of course. I, I never said that they were. Like, that's just not what I said. Okay. Um, do you belong to a specific school of Thomas, Thomism? Existential, transcendental, strict observance? Yeah, strict observance. I, I follow St. Thomas and his commentators. That's all I need to follow. The manuals were the, the, the height of scholastic theology was in the late 19th early 20th century that that's the height of the height of it when we basically categorized all of theology it was kind of nuts like we we literally just finished theology in the early 20th century we, we just finished it all we needed to do is hash out a few details and then we would have been good there better be some good debunking today. I know Basarian better be like on fire today. He's been making us wait for 40 minutes now for him. Really? Wow, it has been 40 minutes. I just realized that. Is that the real classical theist? I'm assuming. I'm assuming that's the real classical theist. Bro. He's he's a militant Thomist enjoyer, as they all are. CT, join the Discord. CT loves MT. Oh yeah, join the Discord, dude. CT, join the Discord, bro. We've we have we'll we'll have um, this is great. We'll have like Byzantine Scotist, Paleocrat, me, Dende. It's kind of kind of fun, bro. Byzantine Scotist joins every night and then doesn't tell us bye and leaves. So, oh yeah, I should probably every time I mention the Discord, I should probably send it in the chat, bro. Is Basarian dead? Probably. He's probably dead. He's typing. He's typing right now. He is he typing. Pro he probably couldn't figure out how to do it. We <laughs> he says, I am shy. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Bro, so turn your camera off. Dude, it's okay. Just turn off your camera. <laughs> oh, gosh. Come on, bro. It's okay. It's okay, bro. No need to be shy. You will speak. You speak very good English. Like, it's okay, dude. Bro, Vesarian. Okay, the church is not restricted to a particular century. Well, what do you think about this one, Dende? <laughs> we don't care. Start the video, Eli. Okay, so I, true. I will give him. Okay, I promise, guys. I will have a cut up point. Uh, Basarian has two minutes to get in here, and then he does. He won't get the beginning of the video. He'll just have to start when when he he'll have to start commenting whenever he comes in. If, yeah, if you wanted any time, because he's watching this. If you want to come on, you can any time. Like we're not forcing you to come on. Just invited. No, no, we are forcing you to come on. <laughs> we are forcing. We have you. waited forty-five minutes for you, Basarian. We are. We are forcing you. <laughs> I will. I will use 
everybody in the Discord to cyberbully you for the rest of your life if you don't come on. So the Jesuits uh, keep all true cheeses hidden in the Swiss bank vaults. Very true. Oh, Basarian's here. Yo, that's crazy. He's actually here. Hello. I've never heard Basarian's voice before. You did. Oh, Basarian's here. Okay, we're gonna start Basarian. Yeah, did. I already cool. did. Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, we we were in a call together, all three of us, before. Like, Who do we need times. to bully? We the bully. Uh, not anymore. We're not. We're not. Uh. Okay, so we're gonna debunk the filioque, and every everybody remember that Basarian is a a, a dirty Suarezian. So if he makes any Trinitarian errors, do not be surprised. I'll make sure I correct him in charity. I'll be nice to him when I correct him. Cool, thanks. Very true. Okay, so let's see. And we have none of us have watched this video before. Beforehand. So this is this is a live a live response. With social you media go. tracker, you can spy on rivals' campaigns. I hate this art style. Uncovered it's the worst. Okay, here we go. I'm going to put him at 1.25 speed. If you guys want to respond to something, then just let me know, and I will pause it so you guys can debook. Or from like a a like a uh, what's it called? Man, why can't I talk today? A natural stopping point. Okay. Are we live? Are we live right now? What? what? Are we live? Are we live right now? Are we live, sir? That that troll face. I don't know. Are we live? Are we live? <laughs> I can't do this. I can't do the eye raise for too long, man. Though I gotta, I got I gotta respect. I gotta respect my man for the eyebrow game. Who is that? Does anybody know who that is? No. Okay. Mm. Anyways, we're not we're not here to talk about eyebrows. It's been a while. It has been a while. It has been a while since I streamed. I was away, uh, saving the world, and I couldn't really do much. As you can see, uh, the markets are plumbing. You know, the world is still in a crisis, but uh, I delayed the ending of the world. So you should still take me. And it's been a while since I streamed, so I might be a little rusty. I might not be. Okay, and let me know if um if you guys can hear it real quick. Super yeah, I can. in my explanatory powers. I'm not. You gotta have to forgive me for that. It's probably gonna be my last stream, not ever, but my last stream doing kind of these like very high quality detailed talks. And I'm gonna probably stick to PowerPoint and that kind of stuff. And really, the reason is because I still have to, I still have to prepare uh, a lot of my evidence and my notes. And I, I'm just thinking, why don't I just do it in PowerPoints? You benefit from it. I benefit from it. <clears throat> it seems like just the he has PowerPoints against us. To do things. So oh, I'm we're gonna probably see the return of PowerPoints very <clears throat> soon. Base. But streams are probably still gonna be on where I'm gonna try to talk about things. Oh in, no, no PowerPoint in like for us. a more semi-serious manner, so we can engage with the with the chat and what people are saying in the live chat and, and okay. so on and so forth. But having made those preliminary remarks, we're gonna be talking about as you, as you can see in the titles. This is gonna be about the filioque, and you can kind of uh, maybe guess that is this some kind of like a response to someone? Like what's going on? Um, I plan to do it like that. I planned a response, but then I thought, you know, the why instead of responding, why don't I just dedicate the first like 10, 15 minutes of this video 
just making the Roman Catholic case for the filioque. I think okay. that would be a lot more simple because a lot of these arguments are just people restating the position. A lot of these arguments is just people not telling why they make the moves on like their beliefs. They don't make it. They just say, for example, like a classic argument is scripture says that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. So uh, that's relation. And only, you know, uh, you know, if it's a relation, then it has to be filioque. So actually filioque is in scripture. And, you know, get debunked. That's exactly what I said. That these kinds of arguments, you know, they don't tell you why they make that move. They don't tell you why. Okay. Would anybody like to explain why we make that move from the from the spirit of Christ to the eternal relation? of the Son and the Spirit. Bessarion, this is your move. Sorry? So why do we make that jump from Spirit of Christ to the eternal procession? Yeah, uh, so I, I don't think that this argument particularly is the strongest argument for the filioque. Um we can that there but there are a lot of reasons that indicate that we should understand um the expression a spirit of christ as referring to um the eternal relation between the son and the holy spirit um the first one is because for instance in um matthew 10 20 we see that the holy spirit is called the spirit of the father um and Basically, everyone agrees that uh, this means that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. Uh, in the same way, in Romans 8, 9, um, the Holy Spirit is said to be the Spirit of Christ. Um, we also have, uh, I don't know, many church fathers who uh, agree with this. Um, St. Augustine, in his... Uh, treatise on John, um, Saint Leo the Great in his sermon 70, um, Saint Epiphanius, uh, in, in his Anchoratus. Basically, every, every church father that comments on this, on this name, um, they say that this refers to the eternal procession of the Holy Spirit from the Son. Okay, so why can't this? So I'm gonna I'm gonna play the the Eastern Orthodox apologist right now. Why can't this be referring to the eternal manifestation, the energetic manifestation of of uh, the relationship between the Spirit and the Son, rather than the eternal procession? Why why can't it be like that? Well, that that leads to um, the argument that if the Son sends the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Son. The that I think it will maybe tackle that later in the video, because that's a famous argument. Yes. So classical theist, they'll even concede that the Son eternally manifests the Spirit, but eternal manifestation manifestations is just incoherent without implying a relation of origin. Yeah. My my whole my whole thing is that you need something to ground. If you, if you have a certain mission, you need some sort of send uh, eternal uh, sending, which grounds that temporal sending. But we're going to find out how it leads to modal collapse. So I'm going to. It's what the saints teach. Did, did, did you just not hear Bessarion quote exact locations? Because Bessarion's an autist and he remembers everything he ever reads. 
So, yeah. What do they say? The eternal relation between the Son and the Spirit. It's an eternal manifestation. That's what they would say. Okay. Again, uh, so this is affirmed explicitly by Saints Maximus and Damascene, the latter of which explicitly says that the sun is not a cause. Yes, we understand that the Easterners will say that the sun is not a cause. But again, we would have to ask ourselves, how is that term cause being used? Because that is not a term which is used in Latin theology at all. St. Thomas tells us in um, Contra Aurores Gracorum how to rightly use the term cause. But that's not a Latin term. We have to see how the Greeks... Um, are using the term cause. So uh, the, the way in which we would make the distinction is, yes, when they're speaking about the sun not being a cause, they're saying that the sun is not an uncaused cause. The sun is a caused cause or a principled principle, not an unprincipled principle like the father is or an uncaused cause like the father is when it comes to the, um, the relations of procession and generation. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you today. Okay, yeah, this is kind of what um, Gregory Nazianzen talks about in his oration i think 34 which actually i learned from david erhan I, I read it because david erhan brought it up and essentially what it says is like oh the son has everything from the father except cause and then like the next line is like and the holy spirit has everything from the son except uh i forget ex exactly what he says except something but like yeah so it, it would actually be redundant to say that like it would be redundant to say like, well, the sun cannot cause, but then it's like in the next line, it directly implies that he causes the spirit because it's putting, it's putting him, it's putting the sun in like the same format as the father to the sun. It's putting the sun to the spirit as the same format as the father to the sun. So it's like, you can obviously just tell right off the bat that they mean something else by cause in Greek, especially through Nazianzen's writings. Yes, yeah. here's... Oh, wait, go ahead. Yeah, um, Gregory Nisa, he very clearly uses the term ek, meaning a uh, primary cause. And this has been noted by... Um, a few scholars more recently, um, mainly because um, one passage, I think it's from his uh, book against Eunomius, where uh, he asks the question whether grace comes from the Holy Spirit, and then he uses Ek, and he says, um, no, because the Holy Spirit uh, is, uh, he proceeds from from someone else right so he the, the so grace is not from the holy spirit and he, he uses act so a few a few church fathers indeed do not use the the word act to refer to um any kind of cause just a primary cause yeah i think when it comes to saint gregory of nisa i found this section which kind of i guess treats this question of of how we're using um uncaused well how we're using the word cause so he says the holy ghost is considered a distinct hypostasis because he is from god so ectu theu and is of christ to christu so that he does not share either the property of not proceeding with the father or the property of being the only begotten which is of the son and then 
uh, which is, and interestingly enough, this, okay, so Cardinal Bessarion um, quoted this at Florence, and uh, a, a certain Greek forger actually removed the proposition ek because he recognized that this was a bit damning. Yeah, this passage is from uh, In Rationem Dominicum, um, and a few there are a few manuscripts bring the word "ek" twice, right? Um, so Gregory Nisa would have said the Holy Spirit is from the Father, and is shown also to be from the Son. He uses "ek" twice, um, but the Greeks um, used to say that. The second act cannot be found in a few manuscripts, and it's actually not authentic. But I've been, I talked to Crutus about this a few days ago, and apparently modern scholarship has uh, sided with Catholicism in this case. The original reading of the passage is that the Holy Spirit is from the Son, ek, the Son. So it's one of the clearest uh, passages among the Greek fathers in support of the filioque. Okay, so I'm going to continue the video after that brief aside, after we we were just called stupid and dumb Latins. That supposedly proves the filioque. But I will do that. I will tell you why. I will tell you why they make that move. And so the first, as I said, 10, 15 minutes is going to be, I made, I basically made like a speech here. I wrote something here. This could already be an article by itself, but I already wrote something here uh, where I pretty much am going to be giving the Roman Catholic argument based off of some of the arguments that I had with people, uh, some of the articles that I read uh, with relation to this issue, and even some of the, you know, some biblical... So this is actually going to be really helpful because we can see whether David actually understands what the Roman Catholics um, are saying when it comes to the filioque. So got to listen to this carefully. ...verses and statements from Thomas Aquinas in the Summa this is going to be Summa. kind of like a summary into why the filioque is a necessity in Roman Catholic theology. And then after that, we're going to get to the point of dissecting these arguments. We're going to dissect these arguments, and we're going to show at the end of this video, hopefully, uh, you know, by, by the time the, this video ends, hopefully you're still alive, hopefully you're still awake. But by the time this video ends, um, the goal is going to be to establish the case that filioque leads to moral collapse, or in other words, filioque leads to the originist problem. So what are we not going to see in the stream? You're not going to see quote minds. There's going to be quotes, but are we going to see like 20 quotes from different fathers trying to prove my point? And like, no, like we're not going to, we're not doing quote minds here. If you want to see quotes, this quote from the church, no, what we're going to do is that we're going to, I'm going to be giving to you the mindset in order to understand what the quotes are saying, right? So I guess you could say that this is education. <laughs> Right? I'm going to give you a proper education to understand this issue because most of these people, they don't want to do that. Right, They want to stick to their very smart ivory towers. I'm really smart. I'm the smart guy. You're going to listen to me because I'm the smart guy. We're not doing that. Okay, We're going to be giving you the, the foundation to understand what this debate is about. I already have different videos. I have multiple streams. A lot of people are focusing on the short video I did that became really popular. The, why do Orthodox Christians reject the filioque? That's the, that's the one that blew up. So a lot of people are focusing on that, but they don't realize. I don't know why he doesn't say my name. It's kind of funny because it's obviously like two days after I posted my video, 
like talking about a certain pseudo Roman Catholic apologist and then the exact video that I responded to. But uh, I guess you're not talking about me, David. Dude, I have much more detailed. Like, that's not my most detailed analysis of Holyoke. It's not. Not by a long shot. Uh, I would I would hope I so. I have a two-hour stream on this topic, for instance, that you can check out as well. It goes into the history and the theology, but we're going to be specifically focusing on the theology. Part of the reason is because the history is actually really simple. Um, like, from a historical standpoint, there's actually really no justification for the Holyoke. And uh, I will probably make a stream or a PowerPoint presentation on the kind of effects of that. I do believe, for example, that the Filioque did allow for uh, some kind of questioning of Christian dogmas in the Western sphere. And that has led to liberalism, that has led to questioning Christian doctrines and dogma and tradition, which has led to, you know, Protestantism and then to atheism. I do think... Filioque really say atheism. <laughs> bro, the, the Filioque is the cause for, like... Roe v. Wade, bro. It was the filioque. It it was the cause for all liberalism. It was because we didn't hold fast to the traditions of the church. I, I want right. to so I want to see a bunch of Orthodox like count doing a counter march of life, and then holding like signs be like <laughs> the filioque, filioque reject abortion. <laughs> the filioque did this, dude. Okay, so I actually have to grab my cup of coffee real quick if you want to just say, yeah no problem. just talk no about problem. something random for like one minute yeah yeah sure no problem so everyone this is a stunning revelation the filioque is the real cause of all of the bad stuff in the world like i don't know if you know about this but like you know you know when uh like ancient greeks were doing bad things like pederasty and the romans and stuff like that bro that was the filioque like it would that was the filioque that was causing it you know like when you know people were beheaded and things like that and like oh i don't know ancient egypt that was all it was all the filioque and all these all these like neoplatonists and stuff like that that were beheaded they were they were all they were all filioque supporters bro bro do you know do you know that one uh lady who was like a neoplatonist uh that was killed in like alexandria do you know who I'm Space. talking about? Yes, I know. Who yeah, you're talking about. yeah, bro. She that was because she supported the filioque. Like that's so obvious. That's real. It's it's true. Like true history. Okay. I have the militant Thomas mug right here. If you go to christianbwagner.com/shop, you can get the militant Thomas mug and other books that I reprint. I collected them all into one pile. So these are the books that I've reprinted, but I won't I'm, go through them now. I'm just I'm just looking in the chat, and it's like. And uh, hold on, someone just said, and I and I'm not even kidding you. You may joke on stream, but the innovations of the Western Church as the filioque lead to schism, which leads to the prots. Like, oh no, the East has never been in heresy ever. Like they've never done anything similar that you're accusing us of. Like, oh no. You may joke on the stream, but the innovations of the West church as filioque led to the schism, which leads to prots, which leads to abortion and other bad stuff. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's so true. Like that's really equals atheism. Then ED equals communism. I'll get trolled. Okay. Oh, the other Paul's wondering whether in the stream, uh, this is just about the filioque. This isn't really like a kind of chill stream. Paul, if you're watching, sorry, I missed. There's like a bunch of altists arguing in the comments right now. So I'm going to just leave them be. Then we'll continue about uh, how, uh, Filioque leads to um, liberalism. That kind of a mindset, the kind of mindset that, for example, the Carolingian theologians had, the post-Gism West had, 
in arguing for the filioque, I think it really opened the door for a lot of stuff that we have today. So I do think, you know, some people say, you know, make fun of, oh, you know, filioque ruined the vest. Like I was like making fun of us, but it, it literally did. I mean, it's, um, it literally kind of did. I mean, you make the same argument against Protestants where they say, oh, you know, these, these people are questioning things that normally shouldn't be questioned. And why don't they just affirm these things? Well, you did the same exact thing, dude. Because at the end of the day, from a purely historical standpoint, and look at the ecumenical councils, what do they say? It doesn't have the addition, right? Um, and if the creed is something that we can make clarifications over constantly and constantly, well, then there's just no end to it. Then we can just, make, let's just make more clarifications. Let's just add that the Virgin Mary's Theotokos. I mean, these true, these are correct things, but it kind of violates the purpose of the creed, right? It violates the purpose of why we use it, why we have it in the first place. If you can just modify it, or, you know, if you want to prove that it's a, it's a living creed, well, you prove it by being a living church. How do you become a living church? Well, by um, by having autistic idiots online talking about <laughs> theology on Twitter, no, uh, you have saints, right? Okay. So that's how you do it. But anyway, that's enough hold, preliminary hold on, remarks. On, bro, because... what? I am autistic idiot. Oh bro, my, like, you... he's just saying like that the Catholic Church is dead because it's just autistic people online, bro. Like, bro, what about like Jay Dyer and all these <laughs> people from like orthodoxy? What? Bro, what kind of argument is that? Yeah, and I think um, a- another thing is he he seems to think, or at least he seems to be asserting, that the Council of Constantinople like condemned the filioque. Like, did did you get that from him? I didn't. I didn't. Pr- probably because he's just like incomprehensible. Because I have no idea what he's talking. <laughs> he's about. He's just like <laughs> spends, spends thirty seconds saying something random about theology, and then just bursts into like making fun of us, and then goes back and forth. Yeah. At least I finish my thought before I make fun of somebody. Um, so I'm just gonna. <laughs> I've heard of the Occam to trans kids pipeline, but not the filioque to abortion pipeline. Well, you haven't seen online orthodoxy, obviously. Bro, it's so funny because it's like these guys online, these Catholic apologists online, they're like, just by the fact that they exist, it proves Catholicism is false. Like, what is he doing right now? It's, yeah, like the Orthodox are notorious for having autists online talking about something (laughs) they don't know about. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's literally like the Orthodox's thing. Like, that's their... um, that that's their specialty, at least when it comes to Western Orthodoxy. I'm sure, um, well, Western. I mean, Western Orthodoxy as in Orthodoxy in America. I'm sure it isn't like that in ethnic countries. I'm sure it's basically normal. But uh, yeah, in in America, there's there's sadly, and I mean, it's, I'm not going to deny that's a problem with Catholicism or even Protestantism. It just comes along with it. But to to just say that it's like especially Catholicism is kind of a joke. Going to be talking about and again before I move on, um, I'll probably make the notes. I'll publish it on Patreon if you want to support me financially or whatever. If you want, if you want to ask me questions in the stream, we will be looking. Oh, yeah. Good reminder. Go to uh, patreon.com slash militant if you want access to more content or just want to help me debunk more orthodox. Or if you don't want me to debunk orthodox, I do other stuff too. Looking at super chats at the end of the stream. Okay. If you have questions, if you want to stump me, this is your chance. Okay. Give me money and you can stump me, right? <laughs> super chats will be answered at the end of the stream. If there's something I said that you didn't really understand that you need clarification on, I'll try my absolute best after I'm gassed out from the stream. It's probably going to last for like two or three hours. So um, let's begin by, again, as I said, let's begin by making the Roman Catholic case for the filioque and showing why it's necessary. And one of the things that you're going to notice 
is that you're going to see that even if you don't agree with the system. Like to 1.5 or something. Do you want to speed this up to 1.5 just like a bit quicker? Oh, yeah. I didn't know if you'd be able to understand if you see well, a bit well, of an accent. Let's, let's see. Let's see if we do. Okay. No, it's okay. Like, if we have to turn it back down, we can. It's just like it might be better if it's just a bit faster because it still feels kind of slow, you know? One of the things that you're going to notice oh, yeah, is that's that fine. you're going to see that even if you don't agree with the system, well, everything logically connects with each other, right? There's a, there's a real logical connection with a lot of these arguments. Um, and you can start to understand why some of the Roman Catholics that you have talked to online that you seem, you know, so it seems so bizarre. You'll start to understand, well, why do they say those kinds of bizarre things? And it's not because, again, it's not because, um, it's not because of some like kiddish reason, kiddish, which is not a word, but whatever. It's like, oh, because their beliefs are silly. It's because, no, there's an actual logical process and an actual logical development over time. It does take place in the priest, kids, and rest. But as I've shown in the stream on the Filioque's History and Theology, which was a two-hour stream, um, Really, the priestism filioque, if you can even call it that, is actually different from the modern dogmatic Roman Catholic filioque. And that's kind of a bold claim, but it actually is different. So he's saying that there's no continuity between the patristic filioque and the uh, dogmatic filioque. So he's saying the scholastics were innovators. So this is interesting. I want to see how this plays out, see what his arguments are. I mean, he might just have this be a mere assertion. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, but uh, we'll, we'll see. And St. Maxus led to Marianus is one of the biggest proofs. So again, we're going to be talking about it as well. So there's going to be a lot of things that you're going to hear in the response, things that I talked about before, right? But all right, let us begin with the arguments, the Roman Catholic case for why the filioque is necessary for a correct understanding of the Trinity. The Roman Catholic will say that since God is simple and since God is divine and he is one and we understand distinctions to be opposition, well, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all one God. They're all identical to the divine nature, right? So God here will mean divine nature. Uh, but the Okay, by identical, um, it doesn't mean only a notional distinction. Uh, just to be clear, he's talking about a virtual distinction, particularly a minor virtual distinction. So just, just because that is like one of the, they'll build like, I've noticed seeing with these like Orthodox anti-Latin sort of uh, ways of speaking that they by no real distinction they always just gloss like nominal distinction which is a distinction only of name with no foundation in reality but actually it's a virtual distinction so um i i, w I wanted to make that clear are all one god they're all identical to the divine nature right so god here will mean divine nature uh, but the father son and holy spirit they're not identical with each other right that's the heresy of sabellianism and so there is a distinction between the father son and holy spirit now how can there be in a simple essence distinctions um thomas aquinas says origin includes the idea of someone from whom another comes and of someone that comes from another and by these two modes a person can be known so the relations of origin or the relations of opposition what do you want to call it this is how in the roman catholic system one can distinguish between the divine persons and these relations because personhood because personhood is relation right um the true the relations of opposition relations of origin one can come to understand the three persons and distinguish between the three divine persons and so for there to be a trinity and this trinity to not be separate, there needs to be a connection between all of these persons, right? So, they, so you will hear Roman Catholics talk about the four relations. Um, there is the relations, but I'll, I'll basically couch it as this. It's, it's a bit more simple. You have the father who is the uncaused cause. You have the son whose origin is from the father and he is a cause, cause, he's caused and he is caused himself. And then you have the Holy Spirit who is who originates from both. So you can distinguish the father, uh, the son from the father by saying that, you know, the son has his origin in the father. The Holy Spirit has his origin in the father and the son. Right. And so through these different relations that these persons have with each other, you can pretty much establish the fact that, yes, indeed, uh, there's a father. He needed to get the four relations right. <laughs> he added a nashability, which is a notion, but not a relation.
So that that is interesting of uh, that he he didn't even get that right. Son and Holy Spirit. And for the Holy Spirit to be distinct from the Father and the Son, uh, he has to have his origin from the Father and the Son, which means that the filioque is necessary for the Roman Catholic system. This is further argued from scripture in various different scriptural passages. The, the, you know, you see arguments like John 20, 22, the, you know, that Christ breathes the Holy Spirit onto the apostles, Christ sending uh, the Holy Spirit um, onto creation. These are general proofs, but I think... Oh, yeah. And I should probably... Uh, yeah, he added, so I, I'll make this clear. Uh, with with um, the with the relations there's the relation of paternity which is the the father's begetting of the son there's the relation of generation which is the fact that the son is generated of the father there's a relation of active spiration which is the father and the son is one principle spirating the spirit and then there's the relation of passive spiration which is the spirit receiving um from the father and the son anashability which he said was being uncaused that is not a that is not a uh, at least for thomas it's not a relation it's a notion uh, just one quick commentary. Um, what he's explaining um, is not uh, the Roman Catholic defense of the filioque. This is a badly explained Thomistic defense of the filioque. The, the Scotists did not claim uh, that that argument he used works. The Scotists claim that um, the Son and the Holy Spirit can be distinguished without a relation of opposition between them. If you want, if you if you want to check the Scotus arguments for for that position, you can see the Discord channel where, where I refute Wagner. Uh, in the quote Libet channel, I, I defended the Scotus position and refuted Wagner regarding that. But uh, the, the important the important bit is that um, what he's saying it's that the Roman Catholic defense of the filioque is not the Roman Catholic defense of the filioque. That's the domestic defense of the filioque. Scotus would disagree with that. Um, and um, of course, that, that was a very big debate in, in Catholicism during um, scholasticism, mainly late scholasticism, because after Scotus, um, you, can, you, you can see, for example, um, Aureolo is also agreeing with Scotus, and he has uh, a lot of different arguments against the domestic position that a relation of opposition is necessary to distinguish the persons of the Trinity. Um, Caprello is the first great commentator of St. Thomas. He's going to uh, refute um, Scotus's uh, arguments. Uh, and after that, you can there's a very big debate among uh, Thomas and Scotus. Um, uh, Mastrius defends the Scotus position, for instance, Cajetan will defend the Thomas position, um, and, and the debate keeps going. Um, it was never, the, the church never defined any any position as dogmatic, so he, he's just wrong in claiming that that's the Roman Catholic defense of, of the Filioque. Yeah, it's I, I, but I don't think that there's any like I, I've not seen any recognition from from David of the fact that there's different schools of Roman Catholic thought on these questions at all. Um, yeah, so if you go to the go to the militant Thomas, well, radical Numenite Discord, um, Basari and I had a little bit of a uh, of a back and forth. I I was he was just defending the, uh, the Scotistic position. I don't think he takes Scotistic position. If he does, he's wrong. No, but, I, uh, I, I I don't take. But in in any case, Wagner was refuted. If you guys, want I, to see I, I was not I was not refuted. <laughs> I debunked him, and um, 
yeah, this is my stream. So I say, and my Discord. So I say, and I'm the Pope of the Discord, if you're wondering. So I will make an ex-cathedral statement later about definitively defining the fact that I defeated Basarian in that debate. So yeah, that, that's a good place to look at the arguments of either side. I'm actually kind of preparing a little bit of a primer on that debate. I've been collecting some some arguments recently in a in a document that I've read through through some of the guys I've read. So that might I might release that eventually. I don't know. I don't feel happy with it right now. I need to uh, get it a little bit better. But let's get back. That is besides the point. I think the kind of one of the main arguments that you hear as well is the statement "Spirit of Christ," right? Um, so John sixteen fourteen is uh, is an example of this. Well, we're gonna we might maybe look at John sixteen fourteen, but uh, the main kind of argument, for example, I want to use is uh, Galatians uh, four six, right? So Saint Paul says. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, right? Spirit of his son. So if the spirit is the spirit of the son, then that means the spirit is therefore also from the son. That's basically the argument. Um, and he shall glorify me, John 16, 14, shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you, right? Um, there's, you know, other verses as well. You have Romans against spirit of Christ. The general idea is that since the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, that is establishing a relation between Christ and the Holy Spirit. And since the only possible relation within the divine persons in the Trinity is relations of origin, this relation has to be a relation of origin. So even temporal relations has to be an eternal, based off of an eternal relation of origin. This therefore means the Holy Spirit proceeds not only from the Father, but also the Son in the Roman Catholic view. That's pretty much how they uh, understand this. This is why they think these verses prove the filioque. Even John 15, 26, kind of, in fact, technically speaking, can support filioque, but again, John 15, 26, how then can the Roman Catholic understand certain verses or patristic quotes where the Holy Spirit seems to just proceed from the Father? Well, the general argument is that it doesn't say alone, right? So it just says that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. So that could be understood that the Holy Spirit principally proceeds from the Father as the uncaused cause, but the Father, is, but the Son is the cause cause, right? So although the Spirit proceeds from the Son in the Roman Catholic view, because it principally proceeds from the Father, you know, it's correct to say that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father according to the Roman Catholic view. I just want to say that because I'm streaming and some might join the stream and think like, isn't this guy orthodox? Why is he saying the Roman Catholic points and say they're correct? <laughs> um, I, don't want to, I don't want to make people uh, misunderstand what's being said here. Uh, and oh, I already got a super chat as I saw. Uh, thank you, Pano, for the $5. Again, I'm going to read it. But uh, yeah, I, um, I actually that's an argument that I kind of did plan to point out. But if I, if I remember and if the super chat stays, I'll probably go back to that point. Uh, but to, to go back to what I was talking about, again, yeah, this pretty much gets into what I was trying to talk. And so once the Roman Catholic understands that, the Roman Catholic then looks at some of the patristic quotes. Where, you know, it seems to be the case that only the, you know, the Spirit proceeds from the Father alone. But then, you know, Bessarion of Nicaea, for example, says, well, the Father said the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father through the Son. Um, the true indicates that, that the Son is the cause cause, right? But from, in this context, indicates that the Father is the principal cause. And they will say, you know, this is in St. Augustine, which it is, you know, it, this kind of distinction. But... Um, uh, this is kind of how they understand these anti-filioque verses. This is, again, one of the reasons why the filioque proof texts, really, they're not going to prove anything, to be honest, right? They might prove to a certain point, um, you know, establish something, you know, a point that these statements are normal, but if you don't understand what those statements mean, then you kind of, you just end up being at a dead end, right? Okay, I think that might be a appropriate stopping point. So Vissarion, he, uh, he, he, he got your guy. He said Vissarion of Nicaea was wrong. So do you have anything to say about that? Uh, no. Let Let's just keep watching and and see how he how he tries to show that Bessarion was wrong. 
bro, Basarian has been has been debunked. But the original Basarian has been debunked on this uh, on this live stream. Yeah. So they will use, for example, St. Philip of Alexandria saying that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, the Father, as well as of the Son, and comes forth substantially from both. That is, from the Father to the Son. So the Roman Catholic looks at that statement and says, that's, that's fully okay. There's a relation between the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's a relation of origin. The Holy Spirit has origin in the Son and the Father. Fully okay, right? So that's a fully okay statement uh, for a Roman Catholic. What does that mean for the Orthodox? Well, they don't care about what we mean, but we're going to be talking about that Based. in the refutations. Uh, they will then use St. Maximus' letter to Marinus. St. Maximus pretty much confirms this. Yes, St. Maximus does say that the Father is, you know, the, you know, he does seem to say that only the Father is caused, but really what he's talking about is being uncaused cause, right? So that's what the Greek sense of cause or aitia, that's what it really means. Aitia just means uncaused cause. So once we understand it that way, since a Roman Catholic, this means that the Son can be also caused. It's just that he's not an uncaused cause, he's a caused cause, right? That's the difference. But he's still caused, and his causality is from a single principle uh, from the Father, right? So there aren't, there aren't two causes. There's one cause, the Father and the Son together. You can already guess that. And if you read St. Photius, you'll see that St. Photius pounces on this and, and pretty much annihilates this, this kind of view. But quote St. Photius. Um, you know, the Roman Catholic will then point out, well, Maximus, you know, in his I have an interesting question for the Orthodox. Why is he called St. Photius the Great? Because why, why is he called great? Because it sure isn't his theology that's great. Marino says the Latins are correct. There's documentary evidence from Latin fathers and even from Eastern fathers like St. Kirill of Alexandria. So it seems like St. Maximus is saying that the Filioque actually was Orthodox all along. If you, you guys love, love St. Maximus so much, why don't, why don't you believe in the Filioque like St. Maximus does, right? Based. Uh, well, again, we can basically say, well, you, know, you like St. Maximus so much. Why don't you accept essentially distinction St. Maximus? But there's actually starting to do that now, Roman Catholics, right? They're actually starting to get into that kind of theology. Are, are we starting to get into uh, essence energy distinctions, boys? No. This is, no, and, and this claim is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Like, Catholic authors have known uh, Eastern fathers since always. Like you, you can you can check, for instance, Vitavius's, um dogmatic theology. He quotes the, the fathers that he quotes the most are, are the Greek fathers, and he quotes them in support of uh, the Suarist and Thomist positions regarding the Trinity and 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 God. It's it's ridiculous to say that uh, Catholics are only getting into this kind of theology right now. We 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 only just discovered it, boys. Don't 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 listen to it. It was all forgeries where Patavius is writing about all these Greek fathers. It's just forgeries. So this is why the Roman Catholic will say it's not an addition; it's a clarification. Because when the Creed says that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father, really it's talking about principal procession. But the and the Son clause clarifies that it's the principal procession, and the Spirit and, and the Son, sorry, is you know is cause cause. So that's how they understand in their mind that the Filioque is merely a clarification, not an addition, right? Um, one of the things that again they will say Saint Gregory the says that the Son has everything from the Father except for causality. So that means they will say again everything for well causality here means being uncaused cause, right? So. The son doesn't, he doesn't get being uncaused transferred to him because it's just intransferable. But being caused, they will say, that's transferable, right? Therefore, son has the ability to cause, and so he can cause the Holy Spirit. It is pretty much, again, the Roman Catholic interpretation of these statements. It pretty much depends on the Greek sense of the word cause. It has to be, it has to mean being uncaused cause. Oh, all <laughs> cause, he has I'm, to I'm do is word. read the next line. Like he, just, <laughs> he literally just cited the exact same thing that I brought up, which is like Oration 34. Uh, like all he has to do is to realize what is meant by cause here is read the next line. I'm Look, serious. It you, literally... you, stupid, you stupid Roman Catholic. You don't have the noose. 
you know, of your news, and you're having your presuppositions. <laughs> he literally just has to read the next line. Cause you're having like, your Latin foundationalism with your Latin presuppositions. So I need to correct your presuppositions so you can saying, read the Father's hold, right. Hold on. He's saying, he's saying, oh, Catholics are like, Catholics are interpreting that cause, like the son has not cause. Um, like, they're interpreting that statement from Gregory Nazianzian that the son does not have any cause. They're interpreting that as like, Oh, the sun is not like an uncaused cause. Um, or sorry. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm confusing myself because it's really hard to get kind of like put it into like a, a thing. But he, he is saying like, oh, Catholics, that they, they, they think that that is like an uncaused cause. That's, that's what they think and they're wrong. And then like he's like, oh, they're reading it into that. That's what he's saying. He's saying that our understanding of the sun uh, has not uh cause like like as in bring principal cause he's saying that our understanding of the sun um is like read in to the document but all he has to do is read the next line like just read the next line it literally says like and the holy spirit has everything from the sun like in the next line in the exact same way that the sun has everything from the father the next line is and the holy spirit has everything from the sun Look, you stupid Latin. We don't. We you, you have to realize. Like, we that that is a that line is a forgery. You have to realize. Like, he, he, this, it's so funny because he's just like, oh, this is this is how the Catholics understand it, and then he doesn't say why we understand it that way. Like, yeah, that is how we understand it, and it's because of the next line. It's, it's kind of funny. It's very he, he accuses he accuses me and like all the other Roman Catholics. Of being like stupid quote miners, and then he clearly hasn't read the actual source because oh, he yeah. hasn't read the next line. He just said, "I'm not going to get into quote mining," and then he he is like he's quote mining right now. He's saying, "Oh, that's what the Catholics believe on this." Like, yes, we do. Just read the next line, and you'll see why. Man, come on, bro, come on. Oh yeah, wait. Okay, so yeah, Paul knows of the uh, essence energies distinction and rejects it. Yeah, I've read it. I've read it multiple people. Uh, it just pick up any like uh, if if I'm remembering correctly, uh, if you go to Hunter's Outlines of Dogmatic Theology, which was written in 1893, and you read it, he's refuting Palamism in there. I mean, it's it's not like we just didn't know about it until like recently. Uh, yeah, you guys didn't know about the essence energies distinction until like ten years ago. Don't worry. Yeah, this is this is this is ridiculous. Many many Catholic authors after um, after Palamos they they cite Palamism and they um, refute it and they and they say it's heresy. Uh, not only Dominicans and Thomists, but also Suarists and Scotists. I, I did a very big thread on Twitter a few months ago about this uh, compiling some citations um i can i can i can give several names who, who mentioned the essence energies distinction and, and and reject it like um gotti who's certainly a well-known thomist uh Biloir, uh seri um alexander natalis um batavios of course who is he he has one of the best um books on, on the filioque frenzelin also he mentions the essence energy distinction and, and denies it uh john rupp was another 
Suarez, he mentions the essence energy distinction and, and, and denies it. Um, John of Consuegra, who was a Scotist, also mentions it and denies. Um, Yosef Othurin, he also mentions it and denies it. So it, there's, there's no doubt that uh, Catholic authors have always known um, the essence energy distinction, and they have always denied it and called it heresy. There's no, no, no doubt about it, even the Scotists. Okay, and then oh, oh, uh, did he? Uh, I, I also thought this was interesting that he mentioned the Augustine teaching the filioque. So that that was that's quite sus because apparently, in all of the Latin authors, when it talks about and the sun, it's just speaking about uh, a um, uh, mission of of the persons. So that that's very interesting, David. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Um, I think, well, firstly, mission can be understood in several different ways. It's not always like a temporal uh, kind of thing. But I, I just, I wanted to bring this up, right? I wanted to bring this up. Um, I actually have in front of me the quote, Oration 34. I want, I want to read this, and I want you to tell me, does this sound like like Catholic, or does it sound Orthodox? Let's Let's read the full quote, right? But if all that the Father has belongs likewise to the Son except causality, and all that is the Son's belongs also to the Spirit except his Sonship, and whosoever is spoken of him as to incarnation, for me a man, etc. He goes on. But do you see what he says there? He says, all that the Father has belongs likewise to the Son except cause. Okay? And... He is saying, oh, Catholics believe that cause is a principal cause, which we do. But then, like, Nazianzen is saying, and all that the sons belongs to, uh, all that is the sons belongs to the Spirit, except his sonship. So, in the same sense that all that is the Holy Spirit's is the sons, uh, or sorry, in the same sense that all that is the sons is the Spirit's, except the sonship, all that is the the fathers is the sons except cause does that sound like a catholic view of cause does that sound like the roman catholic understanding of cause here or does it sound orthodox i want you to just i want you to just be honest like what does it sound like bro you're not supposed to dude you're just you quote mining latin get out of here bro, <laughs> it's a forgery bro like it literally kind of says like oh yeah every single thing that the uh, the father has is the sons, except being like the uncaused cause, and then everything that is the sons is the Holy Spirit, except you know being the son, being like instead of uh, being generous, he's proceeding like like bro, I, or, or begotten, he's proceeding is pretty much what he's saying. Like it's it's so obvious he's he's comparing directly the relationship with the son and the Holy Spirit to the son and the father, which is a cause. Like, you would have to do, like, mental gymnastics to get out of that. It's insane. Okay, I'm just re trying to look to see whether there's anything else in the... <laughs> the hesychasm to single white woman with chakras pipeline. Bro, don't don't that, do them like that. That is that is true. I actually saw someone, like a white woman, that was talking about uh, the energies of God in that 
in that way. Sorry, I found it. Jessica Z. It was it was a I'll post it in the Discord, but it says, but they don't explain that because they want all the essence and energy for themselves. Like that's her accusation against the Roman Catholics. They don't explain the essence and energies because, quote, they want the essence and energies for themselves. Like they they don't like Orthodox white women don't even understand essence and energy of God because they're like Hindus or something. They're like Buddhists that do yoga. Okay, so every every document I don't like is a forgery, a child's guide to historical inquiry. Yeah, so what what you need to remember is that this mode of argumentation from the fathers, uh, especially treating the Latins, that is that this is something which is um, a novum, it's something which is new. This is not the 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 trad based orthodox position when it comes to the Latins. Traditionally, we just bring forth everything as forgeries. So. I will continue unless either of you have something else to say before we continue. Oh, Elijah's back. Have you recanted your anti-filioquist heresy? Has to be. It has to mean being the same. Go back to context. Son has the ability to cause, and so he can cause the Holy Spirit. It is pretty much again the Roman Catholic interpretation of these statements. It pretty much depends on the Greek sense of the word cause. It has to be. It has to mean being uncaused cause. Cause I'm, I'm using this word a lot, but um, pretty much the best way I can have this presentation. Uh, so, all right. So the principle of this procession is God's nature, according to Ludwig Ott in his principles of uh, Catholic dogma. I believe uh, he says the Holy Ghost proceeds from the will or the mutual love of the Father and the Son. So that we understand then that the Holy Spirit is will, that is love of the Father and the Son, and is their common bond, right? So this is kind of, again, um, there are some Western theologians that kind of couch that way, uh, Carolingian theologians especially, they pretty much said that the Holy Spirit is the common friend between the Father and the Son. In fact, there's a, um, in a certain Roman, popular Roman Catholic apologist defense of the filioque, he actually quotes a page where it uses this analogy as a marriage, right? So uh, just like how the father and the mother have a relation with each other and a son is produced from it, right? So that's kind of how they couch it. So the son is the kind of common bond between the love of the father and the mother. Right, so that's where Panos super chat kind of comes in. It's like you know, is, is he just a friend, or you know, what's going on over here? But uh, uh, to to kind of get get to what we're talking about here, um, the Holy Spirit can be understood as the principle of you know the basis of unity and love of the Father and the Son. Again, he's their common friend, right? Um, so this strengthens this further strengthens the idea that the Trinitarian relations are relations of origin. Uh, some argue that this means that the spirit is a product of God's will. That is not the case. This is simply a description of the spirit's hypostatic mode of existence. This person's are relations, the relation of the spirit and the love between the father and son is love. The spirit is, so to speak, love from love, right? Um, so the spirit is not a result of God's ad extra will because that will mean he is created, but he's a result of the ad intra will, which Thomas Aquinas says that, uh, am I getting messages during a live stream? Smile face. Uh, let me get to this point. All right. Yeah. In, in his Summa Contra Gentiles, Thomas Aquinas says, oh, this is quite small, but, you know. Okay, uh, thank you. The object of the divine will is the divine essence. Therefore, his will is his essence. From this, it appears that God's will is not other than his essence. And I can assure you, this is not him saying, um, like, saying the objections, right? <laughs> this is him this replies. So, uh, bro, I, I think he mixed up the, because, I mean, there are objections in the, in the Summa Contra Gentiles, but it's, hmm. I think he might have just mixed up the Summa Contra Gentiles and the Summa Theologia. So I'm, I'm very sure that he's reading through all the primary sources to get this right. Um, so yeah, when it comes to the... Uh, I'll, I'll explain it and I'll Basarian correct me because I'm bound to screw it up. So we can speak of um, 
the Principium Quo and the Principium Quod when it comes to the procession of each of the persons. So there is the principal which and then the principal by which. So with the principal which of procession, that is the, the, the hypostasis that we're referring to. So the principal which of the procession of the Son is the Father, and then of the Spirit is the Father and the Son, which are one principle. And the principle by which, that is a different question. That is the imminent um, actions uh, of, the, uh, of the Godhead uh, by which the persons proceed. So with the Son, that is the imminent action of intellection. And then with the Spirit, it is the imminent act of volition. So with this, you have the, um, you have basically, uh, to, to explain it simply, you have the terminus from which and the terminus to which. So the, the interior uh, action of the intellect, the imminent action of the intellect, so remember ad intra, uh, if, if you're going to use the language that he's using, the terminus of that is going to be the son. And then the terminus of the act of volition is going to be the spirit. This is something which is eternal, and it's not something uh, which is volitional in the sense of, like you would think of a creative and free will, but is, I guess you could describe it as a emanation from the uh, eternal act of willing and intellection with the son. So would you like to correct me, Bessarian? Or was that okay? That, that was okay, I think. Um, yeah, and generally in, in, in Catholic theology, we make those kinds of distinctions. For instance, uh, we distinguish the principal quod and the principal quo, which are respectively the principal which and the principal by which. And... This, this kinds of distinctions allow us to refute, for instance, that very stupid argument that Focius uses against the filioque of well, saying that there are two principles of, of the Holy Spirit. Because if we consider the principle quo, which is the spiritive way, um, it is only one that is pre present both in the Son and in the Father in, in a single way. Uh, and there are no two spiritive ways that um, result fr from which the Holy Spirit results. Uh, and if we consider the principle quod, which is um, the principle which, um, since the, the Father and the Son, they are not principles while divided, but by reason of their unity, there is in their essence, they are also one single principle. So there, there is in no sense a double spiration in the Filioque. Um, yeah, Roman Catholic theology is much, much more sophisticated than uh, Orthodox theology in that sense. There's no doubt about it. And I'm certain certain that uh, Elon Musk Jr. here doesn't, doesn't know stuff like that. Um, he wasn't even able to, to explain correctly uh, the domestic defense of the filioque, uh, and he, he most likely does not even know what the filioque precisely precisely means in terms of all those uh, developments that Catholicism made and Orthodoxy did because they are stuck in time. Okay, I sent in the, uh, if you want to know why the Latin Trinitarian synthesis is so much better and so much more sophisticated than the Greek, what, 
what you get from the Greeks. Just uh, read that article that I wrote on the superiority of the Latin Trinitarian synthesis, which at least Hassan said that it was amazing. So uh, I, I didn't get Bessarian approval from it, but I did get Hassan approval. So it has to be not terrible. I, don't, I can't promise it. it's good. I'll read it someday. You, you better read it. Okay, I will continue about how Filioque leads to modal collapse. I haven't heard anything about modal collapse yet, but we're still reviewing his description of Roman Catholic Trinitarian theology. I believe this is somewhat contradictory to this chapter 72 to 74, where, you know, this is pretty much as divine essence. Therefore, his will is his essence. From this, it appears that God's will is not other than his essence. And I can assure you, this is not him saying, uh, like saying the objections, right? This is his replies. So... Uh, I believe this is somewhat contradictory to this chapter 73 to 74, where, you know, this is pretty much uh, the object of willing is the divine essence and essence and will, the divine will, they're both identical. They're both considered the same. Uh, where was this? All right. Yeah. And remember, uh, every time you hear him say identical, gloss virtual distinction. Don't don't gloss nominal distinction. Very important. So it is the essence, he will say, basically, that uh, that is the essence that produces the Holy Spirit. And so this is why... It's not Arianism. It doesn't come from an external ad extra will. Ad extra will, that's what creates things. So then how do we answer some other potential objections from the Orthodox, says a Roman Catholic? Well, for example, the Orthodox talk about the hypostatic properties. So did the Latin Fathers, for instance, St. Fulgentius of Ruspe. If you read St. book, he talks about this. St. Fulgentius says the hypostatic property of the Holy Spirit is to proceed from the Father and the Son. And, you know, he's an Orthodox saint. So, um, you know, that's, that's an argument he uses. They say that since the property of the Father is to be caused, the Son cannot cause the Spirit. Um, St. Photius says that this means semi-Sabellianism. But doesn't make any sense because, again, we distinguish them based on the relation of their origin. And the Son has his origin in the Father, but the Holy Spirit has his origin in the Father and, and the Son. And the Father does not have any origin, right? He's unoriginate um, in all senses, whereas the Son and the Holy Spirit are unoriginate with respect to time and crime, time and creation, right? So, no, there's no confusion between the persons, the Roman Catholic will say. The Orthodox also, and then this is kind of like the attack. Well, the Orthodox, they, they just don't have any connection. There's no connection, no relation, no eternal relation between the Father and uh, between the Son and the Holy Spirit in Orthodox Trinitarian theology. They reject the filioque, so it's only the Father that caused the Son, and only the Father that caused the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Son does not cause the Holy Spirit. So how is there a relation between the Son and the Holy Spirit? Well, there obviously is. Um, for example, the uh, the Son, again, the the, the the Son himself says, and St. Paul in Scripture says that the Son is, that the Spirit is of Christ. If the Spirit is of Christ, then there's a relation there. And it has to be a relation of origin. So there has to be a filioque, says the Roman Catholic. Uh, the Orthodox My you mic is it. muted. Yeah, my mic yeah. is muted. I'm an idiot. So we would uh, we would gloss that a little bit more particularly. We would say that while in sacred scripture, um, this is referring to a temporal mission that, again, we need to ground it in the internal uh, mission. So it's a little bit more sophisticated than just saying, well, it says spirit of Christ. It must be referring to um, eternal procession. We would say that uh, approximately he's obviously referring to a temporal mission, but remotely we can say that this necessitates a certain uh, eternal grounding, which is found in the um, eternal procession. Orthodox cannot establish an eternal relationship between the Son and the Holy Spirit for this reason. So they don't, properly speaking, have a trinity. The Orthodox also say that the Father is the only principle in the Godhead. So what is the principle of God's actions at extra? So, you know, is it also the person of the Father? Is it the divine nature? If they say it's the divine nature, then there logically, you know, can be one principle, even in the Orthodox view, there can be one principle established by multiple persons. So this quote... I want to see whether he thinks at extra operations have have three principles. That would be really bad. Uh, do, do you know, Vissarion, uh, whether whether that's the Greeks' teaching? No, it, I, I don't think that's their teaching. 
Because if he says that, that's going to be pretty terrible. That's basically oh, tritheism. I, I have, I have, I've never seen any Greek author even discuss those questions, because, well, because the Greeks have always been, they, they have always been behind. You can take, for instance, the Council of, in the Council of Florence before the Council of Florence, um, they were worried because they didn't have any, they, they didn't have anyone sufficiently smart to debate the Latins. So they had to pick three three guys and, and give them the sacrament of orders like as quickly as possible to make sure that they would be able to debate with the Latins. And those guys were Bessarion, Isidore of Kiev, and Mark of Ephesus. So they're basically three smart guys at Florence. Two of them converted to Catholicism. The other one was was too proud to convert to Catholicism. But basically, out of the three smart guys there, two of them converted to Catholicism. Man, that's such an L. The East has three entire smart people, and two-thirds of them convert. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I will continue. But yeah, I think what we're going to see over and over again is Basarian's pointing it out very well, that he, they, he can't really deal with a lot of these questions because the East has never been able to deal with a lot of these questions because they're just so far behind when it comes to scholastic theology. And that's not to be rude or to say, um, to try to be mean, but it's just with the the situation of the Greeks, most of their Trinitarian uh, writings were in polemics. They didn't really uh, form the same uh, school situation that was in the Latin church, which allowed for the flourishing of theology to a much deeper level than the East ever reached. It's not to say they're, they're, they're stupid or anything. Um, it's just to say that they just weren't uh, the inheritors of such a great tradition as we were. So their tradition uh, inevitably fell behind. Arguments about you know communion of the Father and the Son together that excludes the Holy Spirit that's just bunk right that just doesn't make any sense in the Roman Catholic view Roman Catholic say that doesn't make any sense you don't need that right so many persons can be one principle so the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one principle when they create things and therefore you know the Father and the Son can be one principle too how's that denying that there is one principle at the end of the day so in short uh, to kind of summarize and recapitulate in God persons are relations and as Thomas Aquinas says. There it says how there's a real distinction. Thomas Aquinas says, hence there must be a real distinction in God, not indeed according to that which is absolute, namely essence, wherein there is supreme unity and simplicity, but according to that which is relative. So the persons are relative. So although the persons are identical to the essence, they're not identical to each other because they are relative. Therefore, God is a trinity and the filioque is a necessity. This is the, pretty much the Roman Catholic argument. This is the, the way I want to demonstrate. And I think the distinction between principium quo and principium quod is really going to clear up his um, confusion about how the Father and the Son are one principle. Just a quick note. For this, uh, for the stream. Let's see. Uh, um, okay. Well, that's what the message was. I thought it was something exciting. Anyways. <laughs> so how do we how do we start with looking at this? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through the argument again. But this time, I'm going to be doing a point by point, you know, refutation, right? So let's start from the beginning. And again, you know, this this will probably end up, you know, because I do have notes. I have, you know, screenshots and citations and et cetera. But. I'm probably going to, maybe I might go off on a tangent. So for example, one of the tangents I want to go on right now um, is at the end, you know, the the relative uh, absolute thing. Before I go on, hold on. Relative absolute. Oh, I'm thinking he's talking about a subsisting relative opposition. I, I think that's what he's talking about. So we'll see. It's kind of just ask, is God being a trinity absolutely essential to God? You know, um, is God substantially a trinity? And what is the, what is the point of this question? Well, really... Um, what I have in mind is Occam's razor, right? What is Occam's 
razor. The simplest explanation is the correct one. No, that's, that's actually not what Occam's razor is. Occam's razor is that plurality is not to be posited without necessity. This therefore need means that God necessarily has to be a trinity, doesn't it? If God is not necessarily a trinity, and if Occam's razor is true, can't a Muslim just come up and say, well, you yourself admit that God's God being a trinity is not, it's something relative, right? It's not something absolute. Maybe Thomas in elsewhere says it is absolute. It's just, you know, within each other, it's relative, but it's absolute. You know, it, that might be possible. The point that I'm, just a question that I want to raise um, is, again, if this is the case, can a Muslim just come up and say, since you say yourself that this is relative, um, then doesn't that mean that God being a trinity is not absolute? Now, if God is absolutely a trinity, then does that refute natural theology? I mean, one of the points of natural theology is that Muslims worship the same God as Christians, right? But it seems to be if, if God's triune character is substantial to his existence, then it is substantial in all possible worlds. If it's substantial in all possible worlds, then it seems to me at least that it's very that's very much necessary to say that God is a trinity fundamentally and that therefore Christians do not worship the same God as Muslims do. Just one of the questions that I have in mind. If you're, if you're going to say, you know, again, the, the other side of the problem is, um, you know, getting, getting felted by Occam's razor. <laughs> That's the other side of the problem. But let's get back to kind of the topic at hand. Did, did, did anybody understand what he was talking about? No, this makes no sense at all. <laughs> the ramblings of the Greeks. This is this is ridiculous. <laughs> do, do you want to try to to respond? Of uh, that that the Trinity is somehow rel relative. I, I don't know what he's talking about when he's talking about relative. He's trying to sound smart. Probably it's not. It's not working. It's this is this is bad. It's really bad. Yeah, because I don't think anybody's anybody's uh, not saying that it is necessary. And the, yeah, that's that's just kind of silly. Um, let, let me try to th think. Uh, and then he's talking about Christians, Muslims worshiping the same God. Yeah. Uh, so I think what he's trying to get at. Okay, I think what he's trying to get at is he's trying to debunk the um. I don't even know if he understands the fact that we don't think that the Trinity can be proved um, necessarily from natural revelation. I, and that only uh, because uh, the, the essence, because the three, the three persons are a common principle of ad extra actions, which would include creation. Then we cannot know the distinctions of the persons um, necessarily through creation. I, I think that might be what he's getting at. But then he's also talking about, the Christians and Muslims worship. I have no idea what he's. He would have to clarify to us. Um, I, I'm I'm not really uh, understanding what he's getting at. Dende, do you have any do you have any understanding of what he's trying to get at? Dende, uh, sorry, I was I muted. Yeah, you were muted. Okay. Um, no, I kind of don't really get it i think what he's trying to say is like i think and, and this is i could be wrong but like uh and then correct me if, if if i am wrong like what i got from that is what he's trying to say is that well since um like muslims and catholics like worship uh the creator and then it's like oh well I don't know if it, if it's prove if it's provable. You know what? I, I'm not really sure. He's trying to disprove that we worship the same like God as in we worship the Creator, but he's trying to do it like by ch exposing like the differences. I guess we would hold. Is I don't that, know what he means by relative, though. Like, what 
what is why is relative being placed in opposition to necessary? I I don't I don't get it. Like I have no idea what he's talking. Like this is this is like unintelligible. What whatever he said. I have no idea. Okay. Wait, look at look at this. This stream is copium. It's a raw peak, really bad how Catholics must cope in order to defend their development and drifting further and further away from the early true church. Bro, your guy is saying like just unintelligible stuff and we're like trying to make sense of it. How is this to cope? Like, <laughs> what are we doing wrong? Can you explain what he said? Yeah, I will. I will uh, give a hundred dollars to anybody who can who can understand what he said. <laughs> what? Right now, I will PayPal you a hundred dollars if you can actually interpret, like uh, something about Occam's razor and something about like the Trinity of Persons, like something about natural theology is refuted, and then like Muslims, like I, I have no, like no idea what he's talking about at all. Something about absolute and relative, like th this is this is just unintelligible. Just, just go, bro. Just, uh, I'm just, just I'm just gonna go. Yeah, like, I don't oh. even know what he's trying to get at here. Hand, which is definitely okay, but you can see that the Philippians isn't just in that. Therefore, Christians do not worship the same God as Muslims. Just one of the questions that I have in mind. If you if you're gonna say, you know, again, the, the other side of the problem is, um, you know, getting getting felted by Occam's razor. <laughs> That's the other side of the problem. But let's get back to kind of the topic at hand, which is definitely okay. But you can see that the Philippians isn't just some simple, you know, word that just got added. There's a lot more into it, uh, theologically speaking, than that. So let's start from the beginning. God, since God is, uh, and let me look at how many viewers and likes. Oh, we got 50 likes, 50 views. Very cool. So since God is divinely uh, simple and he is one, real and real distinctions, opposition to the Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all, all one God, which is the divine nature. However, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have to be distinct from each other so as to protect the dogma of one God being three persons. This is done by establishing relations of opposition. Uh, Thomas Aquinas says, Origin includes the idea of someone from whom another comes and of someone that comes from another. And by these two modes, a person can be known. And so for there to be a trinity, there needs to Connect, to be a connectivity with all the three persons. This is done so with the Father, who is the principal cause, that is the young cause, cause, uh, the Son, who is cause, who is cause, cause, and the Holy Spirit, which originates from both. This is why the filioque is a necessity to establish these relations. So there's, again, four relations that Roman Catholics speak of, um, relations of origin that we can speak, that I'm going to be talking about here, is going to be that... The four relations that he couldn't even number, right? You know, that the relation between the Father and the Son is that the Son has his origin in the Father, the Holy Spirit has his origin in the Father and the Son, right? And the Father has no origin, he is unoriginate. That, that's only three, even if... Uh, even... okay now he switched over to like he, he went from like origins to now like the the two relations which are found and then he included three and he said it was four so i have no idea what he's talking about did did, did any of you two understand what he's Bro, talking about the, the easiest way to like never get refuted is make your <laughs> argument unintelligible, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just, bro. He's he's on another level. <laughs> yeah, this makes absolutely no sense. Okay, let's maybe he's gonna maybe he's gonna lob a good one at us. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna downplay David. I I, I will trust that he will he will give us a good argument. Okay, uh, let's see. And so the, these that I'm going to be talking about here is going to be that, you know, that the relation between the Father and the Son is that the Son has his origin in the Father, the Holy Spirit hold, has his origin on, in the Father on, and the Son. Hold on, hold on, Agent Intellect in chat is trying to explain it. Okay, okay, okay. Let, let's see. What he is saying is that if you can use Occam's razor to cut out universals, then a Muslim could do the same for a trinity and posit a Unitarian view instead. What, 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 is, what is he bringing up about universals? 
you could also Occam's razor to get into occasionalism. Oh man. I've I've no idea what's what's going on here. Were you were you trying to say something, Basarian? No, that, that doesn't make sense because the distinction among the persons of the Trinity is necessary. Yeah, we would say it's necessary because it's it is something which is a necessary the, the persons are necessary terms of the imminent operations of of the essence of God. So I, I don't I don't get what he's he's getting at. It's it's really funny how he's like, bro, the filioque was like it that created liberalism and he's like, but you could actually use Occam's razor to refute <laughs> Do you not see the, like the the very like clear contradiction here? And then he says, then he says he he lists the Occam's he he says Occam's razor, and then he's like, but this is an Occam's razor, and then he doesn't explain what Occam's razor is. So I no, he he did he did. If you go back, he did. It's just like yeah. See, this this go is back. true. I, I'm I'm the same way. I'm too stupid to be a theologian. I guess I won't make it to heaven since I'm so stupid. I agree. I am also too stupid to be a theologian, and I'm not going to make it to heaven since I'm so stupid that I can't understand David's arguments. <laughs> Dang, I, I guess like the one chance the Eastern Orthodox had to debunk me, and they uh, they literally say uh, absolute nonsense. Here he he's saying. Asian intellect said he is saying that Occam's razor destroys a natural theology attempt like St. Thomas Aquinas' Summa Contra Gentiles. Well, I'm sorry. Is he saying that, like, you can know the three persons of the Trinity from, like, you know that God is triune naturally? I thought yeah, that was, even, like, not. You can't. Can even you? Rich, So Richard of St. Victor, some people accuse him of that, but I've heard from others. I mean, Basarian will know better than me. But I've heard from others that... Um, Basically, Richard St. Victor was kind of positing a posteriori arguments for that the Trinity was fitting. Like nobody, um, to my knowledge, until like very much at, like uh, I've, I've heard the first was the 19th century, tries to. And then some Protestants uh, in the post-Reformation era, I've heard they provide like a 23 like step like syllogism to try to prove the Trinity from creation like nobody is is trying to provide necessary arguments for the trinity and so I'm, I'm confused why he thinks the summa contra gentiles is the purpose of it is to provide a natural theology argument because he treats this exact question in the summa theologiae and then i think also in one of his uh quote libit questions he treats this exact question and then takes the contrary view my, my guess if i had to speculate would be that david has never read the summa contra gentiles um and yeah that that's that's my guess there's there's no doubt about it there's no doubt about it and if he tried to he clearly didn't understand because this is much much above the level of the explanations he gave there like he wouldn't be giving such ridiculous explanations if he had read them like his explanation of the thomas view argument for for the filioque it, it, it makes no sense if he had read the Summa Contradictions in its totality and understood it, he, he would he would not uh, make such a bad explanation. Okay, thank you. Look, look, look at quote David Erhan doesn't believe in a natural slash supernatural revelation distinction. That's why he's trying to use Occam's against the Roman Catholics for believing in natural theology as apologetic system. Bruh. This is so confusing. 
Bruh. He's gonna he's gonna watch this and be like, "Oh, it's just those stupid Latins. They don't have the noose, which is why they can't understand me." <laughs> <laughs> they, they, like the entire Summa Contra Gentiles is just a forgery, guys. Don't worry about it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue because I have a feeling like the last hour is gonna be Q and A. At least I hope so. I hope he doesn't have this continue rambling on for another hour and a half. And father has no origin. He's unoriginate. Hold on. Should we, so should these, we cut it are... in half? Should we, if, it, if it takes that long, should we just cut this in half? Yeah, that's like... what I'm thinking. If it takes like yeah. a super like long time and he's actually going to spend the entirety of the two hours, then we'll cut it in half. I don't want yeah. to have a four-hour mega stream with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. The divine persons and how we can distinguish between between them so uh, this is established by uh, scriptural passages where it is said that uh, the holy spirit is the spirit of christ galatians 4 6 romans you know john 16 14 these are just some of the few verses There's, there are some, there are you know quite a lot of verses that in scripture where, where the holy spirit is said to be the spirit of christ so uh, the response here is that saint photius responds to this argument actually um saint oh, photius says that the scriptures also said that the spirit is the spirit of wisdom spirit of understanding spirit of love so does that mean that the holy spirit proceeds from love, from love, does it mean that the Holy Spirit proceeds from wisdom? That the Holy Spirit proceeds from understanding, right? I mean, yes. Yeah. Yes. The answer is yes. Like, <laughs> was a brainlet. Does the manualist literally make this argument? That does, does he not realize that like God <laughs> is love? Like, does he not understand this? Yeah, and then <laughs> then understanding and wisdom are like a specific um, notional name that's given to the Son. Yeah, this, makes, he, he, this is this is a this is a ridiculous argument that shows again that Foch's had not a good understanding of Latin theology. I mean, what do you expect from a layman who was rushed to the patriarchate? Yeah, he was he was a just an ambitious, ambitious guy, not not very smart. And then also, yeah. like, he doesn't deal with our ag- actual argument of of the. He basically just does a. Um, a uh um crap what is it called i i don't i don't remember what the argument is of uh, ad absurdum what, what reductio ad absurdum he basically does a reductio ad absurdum that doesn't follow because we're like yeah we, a- we actually would accept the fact that he proceeds from from wisdom <laughs> <laughs> then and then he's not going to deal with the principal argument that we give of the of the basing of the temporal missions on the eternal relations yeah and then paul uses in romans one and then uh paul in act 17 natural theology so i don't i don't get how that works he's gonna give me some trash bonson interpretation of it i don't, I don't really care by that logic you'd have to also say that you have to also admit that so you are if you want to take this to its logical conclusion then really you're just establishing relations of origins more relations of origins with the Holy Spirit uh, on a scriptural basis. But if you say, no, these are, this is a kind of a different, the, the off is a different sense, then you're also admitting that when, when scripture says that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, well, that can be the Spirit of Christ in a different sense. So, for example, though this is an argument used by Theodoret, and, and, you know, this is mostly an historian argument. I'm not saying this is a valid argument. I'm just saying that, you know, if someone hypothetically... Historians, the first ones to reject the filioque. Uh, good, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're reading the good authors against us. <laughs> Oh man, okay. Said that it says the spirit of Christ because it is referring to the Holy Spirit resting in Christ's human nature. Right? That's a, I mean, that's not even like a specifically in the story argument, but the historians use this argument a lot. They kind of had that view. 
So you mean the one they put against St. Cyril of Alexandria? Like what 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 are you on about? Are, are you proving <laughs> our points? Oh my gosh. Oh man. Uh, I this this video is giving me a headache. Like, is he is he just is he trying to say like, oh, well, uh, you know what? I don't even I don't even know because this is so kind of weird. Uh, it's just this is insane. Like, okay. I don't think he 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 continues like he's going like, oh, most Roman Catholics would go like, oh, well, we don't believe in that, and he's trying to like use like Nestorian and Theodoret or whatever, but like we just said yes. Like we do say that. Yeah. Becoming, a, <laughs> becoming a heretic to own the Latins. <laughs> what are you saying, Viserion? Oh, I, I was going to say that uh, he does not even uh, explain the best version of that argument. Um, because besides the comparison between, say, Galatians 4, 6 and Romans 8, 9, with Matthew 10, 12 and other passages, um, we can also use um, the argument. We can also mix that with the argument from uh, authority that that Saint Thomas gives in both Summas, saying that the Son sends the Holy Spirit, because we know from First John four thirteen and Acts five that Christ has the Spirit uh, as um, as a giver, right? And if He had the Spirit as a man or if he had just uh, deserved the spirit for humanity, he would have it as a a possessor of the Holy Spirit like we do. So the, the argument uh, that John gives in 1 John 4 would not follow. And also, there's an author called Martin Jugi um, that he also uses 1 Corinthians 7.12 um, to develop, it, de- develop this argument because... Um, we read in 1 Corinthians 7, 12, uh, that Paul says, you did not receive the spirit of the world, but the spirit that proceeds from God, um, so that we should know what's uh, given by God to us freely. And this is the exact same argument that Paul uses in Romans 8, 9, because Paul says there that... Um, Paul says there, you did not receive, you were not under, uh, under you were not, uh, let me grab the food pole here. Uh, yeah, Paul says in Romans 8, 9, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So the argument from Romans and from Corinthians, it's basically, it's it's just the same. The only difference is that in Corinthians, he uses the expression spirit that proceeds from God. And in Romans, he uses uh, spirit of Christ. So um, Paul concludes, and it's a very natural conclusion, that the to say spirit of Christ and to the and to say the spirit that proceeds from God, it's the same thing. So spirit spirit of Christ means the filioque. It's basically, it's that there's no reason not to believe that. The argument is just the same and the expressions are just used in the exact same place. 
Okay, thank you. We will continue about how this leads to modal collapse. I hope this gets better. Not even like specifically the Storn argument, but Nisorn has used this argument a lot. They kind of had that view. So is that not a possible interpretation of that verse, right? Uh, yes, it will be. So of can be can mean many things. It does not have to mean from. But the Roman, what is the Roman Catholic presupposition? Of is identical with from. True is identical with from also. Right? These are the presuppositions behind the readings of this of these texts. Um, another point that I want to use to kind of disprove this argument is going to be from St. John of Damascus. <clears throat> now, let me see where I can find him. I, I think I have a tweet about this. Uh, let's see. Nope, not here. But the argument is from St. John of Damascus's... Uh, yeah. It's from St. John of Damascus's Front of Knowledge. And let me see. Let me get the image opened. All right. There we go. So this is from this this page is from uh, Dr. David Bradshaw's Aristotle East and West. Um, he's quoting Saint John Damascus's Fount of Knowledge here. Uh, Saint John says, "We do not speak of the Spirit as from the Son." So already he refused the Roman Catholic presupposition. I mean, it's a bad day for you guys. Uh, but yet we call him the Spirit of the Son. So he says, he's "Spirit from the Son," but he's not the Spirit from the Son, but he's Spirit of the Son. And we confess that he is manifested and imparted to us through the Son. For he breathed, it says, and he said to his disciples, "Receive ye the Holy Spirit." It is just the same as in the case of the sun, from which come both the ray and the radiance. For the sun itself is the source of both the ray and the radiance. Do you see this? Do you see what St. John is saying here? So didn't uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, I think in the Summa, he deals with uh, the quotation of the authority of St. John Damascene. And he just says that he was wrong. I think if I remember correctly. Yeah, he concedes that St. John Damascene was had was influenced by the Nestorians in that uh in that point um but this view was not very popular among even later Thomists later Dominican Thomists like Billor Billor he when he's addressing that argument he he get, he says um well St Thomas says that St John Damascene was uh just wrong in that point um but it seems more likely that He's just using the expression as Cardinal Bessarion pointed out, right? Uh, so this this opinion, this this opinion from Aquinas was not very popular among later Thomists, but it can it can be held without any problem because uh, Melchor Cano in his book on the theological places he points out um, very rightly that. Um, Church fathers alone, they do not have authority in theology. They have just authority when taken um, collectively. So, uh, like what, what the Orthodox do in that point, uh, taking like Damascene and Maximus only, and and leaving um, an entire uh, like Augustine. Uh, St. Leo the Great, St. Gregory the Great, and all the other church fathers uh, called them heretics and leave them aside. This is not, this is not correct. Um, St. Thomas's position saying that one church father made a mistake is, it, 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 is, it is fine. But to say that, well, like they do, that all the Latins or most of the Latins were wrong in that point, this is not, this can't be held. Okay, I will continue. And by, and by the way, me. Um, yeah, sorry, sorry, go, go on. No, I just said that, you, I said that you debunked me. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll continue. 
for the sun itself is the source of both the ray and the radiance. It is through the ray that the radiance is imparted to us. So radiance is not caused by the ray, but the ray imparts the radiance to us, the heat that is, right? So for example, again, the heat of the sun, um, the rays of the sun, they, they proceed from the sun itself and they are sent to us, right? You see the light of the sun, etc. But the heat is transferred from the sun through the rays of the sun where we participate in the sun's heat. That's basically the analogy St. John is using here. Notice again, the sun itself is the source of both the ray and the radiance. It is through the ray that the radiance is imparted to us. And it is now some people might, some science heads might say, well, actually, technically speaking, light causes heat. So, uh, Filioque, it's Bruce Filioque. But <laughs> you understand get that, trolled, get uh, trolled. John is not operating with that kind of an understanding of science. He, he get trolled, my science. Um, so, we need to understand God, the science of this time, the science of understanding. By the way, I mean, God proved the Filioque through J.S. John Damascene. Technically speaking, in a greater sense, um, that's not really that super correct either, right? But, anyways. You know, you got to have that in mind. So Dr. Bradshaw points out, both the ray and the radiance derive their being from the sun, yet it is only the radiance in which we directly participate, while the ray is that which imparts the radiance and makes it known. John uses this analogy to support his point that the sun eternally manifests and imparts the spirit, yet the spirit derives his being only from the Father. Uh, to support this statement, I'm going to be uh, also quoting St. Gregor of great catechism. Uh, he says, we regard it, that is the Holy Spirit, as that which accompanies the word and manifests his energy, and not as a mere effluence of the breath. So what is, again, St. Gregory of Nyssa here is saying that the Holy Spirit impart, you know, imparts the divine energies to us or, you know, eternally and manifests this energy eternally through the Son. So this pretty much showcases that both in St. John of Damascus and in St. Gregory of Nyssa, uh, there is a kind of a relation between the Son and the Holy Spirit that is not a relation of origin. That's the main point here, right? So the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, but not from Christ. This is because the Holy Spirit proceeds through the sun, like the radiance of the sun proceeding through the rays of the sun. But the radiance of the sun does not derive its existence from the rays. It derives it from the sun. Likewise, the Spirit proceeds from the Father, but eternally and in creation proceeds through the sun. And, you know, so, you know, remember again, St. Gregory of Nyssa's uh, great catechism. Uh, we regard it, you know, his statement in his uh, catechism. We regard the Holy Spirit as that which accompanies the word and manifests his energy and not as a mere influence of the breath. This showcases that for St. Gregory, the relation between the Son and the Spirit is not by origin alone, but the mode in which they act eternally and the mode in which they act in relation to creation. So oh, that's pretty much how we would refute that on. first argument. Is what? So this is, what is he saying? No. <laughs> yeah, what is he saying? Like, <laughs> it, it, isn't, it, isn't it just most likely that, like, the the radiance so let me get this right the radiance of the sun are not from the rays of the sun but rather from the sun well wouldn't that just prove like cause of wouldn't that just prove like well their cause is the radiant their the cause of the radiance is the ray but it's from the sun as in like a, dis a difference in cause like principle and cause of origin like isn't he just saying the exact same thing as what we would say or am i just stupid I am i stupid but he's talking about the eternal manifestations of the energies, dude. Bro, I don't have the noose. I don't, we don't have the noose. I mean, <laughs> this does actually say, because he's saying uh, perfilium means that the uh, that there's a certain impartation. Um, I, I guess he's saying there's a certain... No, but I, I have no idea what he's saying. But yeah, this does sound like exactly what we would say, that, the, that by from the Father, we mean that... Uh, that he's the uncaused cause yes. so there's no problem with so like it's the only thing is is that damascene is literally just saying yeah the holy spirit is not from christ but when he said but he's rather from the father but he just means as like a principal cause which we would agree with isn't that exactly what he's saying like it's he useful. just uses the word from to mean something different 
Like, what? Hold on. Do you want to? Do you want to say anything? Do you want to say anything, Viserion? You were saying something earlier. Yeah, like what what he said that the distinctions among the persons can have some relation with um, the Trinity's relation with creation. It's it's just nonsense. It's ridiculous. Um, but with regard to the persons being distinct because of the mode of origin, this opinion is actually allowed within Catholicism. The Scotists uh, hold that position that the distinction among the persons. Um, is because of the, their modes of uh, procession, like generation and procession. Um, but a modern modern scholarship, uh, interesting, interestingly enough, they have sided uh, more frequently with the Thomistic um, exegesis of fathers like Gregory Nisa. Um, for example, a, a a scholar called Chengmen Li recently, like, I mean, not, not that recently, but I think it was in, two, in 2016, he published a, a book uh, where he defends that Augustine and Gregory Nisa had basically the same uh, ideas about the procession of the Holy Spirit from the sun. And that, that, that was... Uh, th those kinds of those kinds of works they are becoming more and more frequent frequent in in modern scholarship because after um, the the regnon um, generally scholars tended to see a kind of um, separation among Latin and Greek theology like between Augustine and Greg Nisa or Basil um, but more recently scholars have um, they, they, they are abandoning that view and they are seeing that the quotations that Catholics very frequently cite from Gregory Nisa to say that the persons of the Trinity are only distinct because of their relations um, they, they, the, cat, the scholars are seeing that that means that they have an, um, that the persons of the Trinity um, have eternal relations among themselves and are distinct by them, as the Thomists claim. So, and and also analogies like the famous analogy of the fire. I think that is from his work Ataplabim, maybe, um, where Gregory Nisa mentions a fire, a, an original fire, that transmits uh, the fire to a second torch, and from that torch to a third torch. That that clearly. Um, tells us that Gregory Nisa understands the expression from the Father through the Son as meaning that the essence comes from the Father, passes through the Son, and from the Son to the Holy Spirit. That's how he understands the, the expression through. And, of course, as I said, um, as I said before, um, yeah, I, I was going to talk about Maximus, but uh, we can keep going. Um, he's probably going to mention Maximus later. Okay, let us continue. And somebody, somebody said, "Oh gosh, I was hoping to get some free Twitter stock for watching this." Oh man, uh, there's somebody. Okay, so Mabased and Trad Eastern Orthodox. 
I just got blocked by an Eastern Orthodox guy who was arguing that Roe v. Wade was a good legal judgment. Very cool, Orthodox. Thank you, Orthodox. Are you sure it wasn't a troll? I think there was an Eastern Orthodox guy, uh, JJ or something, that said that, and it was like a troll. Who knows? I will continue. So, the, so this is, again, the Roman Catholic. Right. So how do we understand John 15, 26 and certain statements by the fathers that say the spirit proceeds from the father? It does not say the spirit proceeds from the father alone. Whereas with the son, he is called the only begotten of the father. So since the spirit does not proceed from the father alone, we can understand that the procession from the father includes the son too. This is why the Greek fathers are harmonized with the filioque. Since they say that the spirit proceeds through the son, they are simply saying what the Latins say, that the son being cause cause of the Holy Spirit had the spirit proceed through him. St. Kirill, for instance, says the Holy Spirit is the spirit of God, the father, as well as of the son, and comes forth substantially from both. That is from the father through the son. And St. Maximus confirms in his letter to Marinus that the Latins in preaching that the spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son are not wrong, but in fact are justified due to documentary evidence from Latin fathers and even St. Kirill of Alexander himself. This is why the filioque is not an addition to the creed, but a clarification of it since the creed is concerned with the Father as a principal cause of procession. It clarifies that the Son also partakes of this procession of the Holy Spirit eternally, not as uncaused cause, but as caused cause. Statements from fathers like St. Kirill theologian say that the Son has everything from the Father except for causality then is understood as the Son not being uncaused cause, but causality here means that uh, specifically that you know the Father being uncaused cause. Being uncaused is untransferable, but being caused is transferable, so the sun is still a cause cause. And so causality in the Greek force can be ge generically couched as being uncaused cause. Once that's understood, St. Gregory, can, we can say here that St. Gregory theologian is not rejecting the filioque, but rather is understood to say that the sun is, you know, uh, is a cause from the Father. But since the Son has all that the Father has, he also has the Father's ability to cause the Holy Spirit, which is why the Spirit proceeds from both, even though the power is the Father. So there's one principle of, you know, the of procession, right? There's no, not two sources or two causes, there's one cause, the Father and the Son together. That's pretty much kind of the whole the, the point. So the response to this. Okay, good, good. We're getting somewhere. I will start my response by just saying what the St. Theologian statement is in question, which is from Oration 34, where he says, everything the Father has belongs That's, to the Son. I already refuted this. I already refuted this. What? I already refuted it. Are you kidding me? Really? He's going to watch this, watch this, watch this. He's going to be like, Oh, well, uh, it very clearly says that the sun has not cause. And then he's just going to, like, completely ignore the following statement. Just watch this. Watch this. He's going to ignore it. He has no idea what he's talking about. He's just going to ignore that sentence. This, this is this, – that, that – oh, okay. <laughs> I like how oh. we were, like, waiting for, like, some big let me, reveal. Let me just and add it's, like, something. something that we already repeated. Okay, go ahead. As I said in the beginning, um, there's a quote from St. Gregory Nisa that – uh, where, where he asks whether grace comes from the Holy Spirit. And then he says no, because the Holy Spirit proceeds from God. So it's very clear that Gregory Nisa understands the the word ek to mean uh, the first original cause. So it's it's not absurd to think also that Basil and and Gregory Nazias and um, the, all the three Cappadocians thought the same thing about this this expression so th those kinds of arguments can can be very easily refuted they, they they make no sense but remember kids we don't we're well, us based in trad eastern orthodox do not quote mine ever but i i want you to actually like just just bring it up Br bring it up bring up oration 34 on stream right now if you can okay. I, I want i want everyone to see this He's gonna take this out of context, is like, cause he does this. He he's done it before, and that's how I learned about Oration Thirty Four, right? Um, he's gonna say, "Well, the Father gives everything to the Son except cause, and that's that. Like, the, the Son has no cause; it cannot cause the Spirit." But it's like, then he goes on to say, "Well, the Holy Spirit has everything from the Son, 
in the same way as he does from the father. So it's like, yeah, he does have a cause, the son. And so we have to understand cause here uh, as being like principle or like an uncaused cause. He's going to take this whole thing out of context. I'm just waiting for it. Like if he, he refutes me that I would be like blown away because like he's never been able to respond to this. He, he always does this where he just brings up Oration 34 and then like leaves it at that one little tiny bit. I, I want to see what he says. I want to see what he says. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to find. Oh, this is Oration 42. Is there another? Really? He's gonna, is he going to use a different? No, he said no, 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 no. 34. Oh, Hold... oh, okay. Oh, I just, I just grabbed the wrong just, one. I'm it's only... 34, yeah. Yeah, I just grabbed the... Just look up the, like, type in. Do you like... Oh, apparently another one that? is... Um... Oh crap! Uh, Oration forty-two to being some too. I'm gonna read this real quick. So, um, actually, I will. I'll continue on for this, and then I will. I will bring it up when we listen to this next pericope. I will start my response by just saying. What's the secondary theologian statement is in question, which is from Oration 34, <clears throat> where he says, everything the Father has belongs to the Son with the exception of causality. So if causality is referring not to fatherhood, you know, or fatherhood or causing a divine person, but specifically being uncaused cause, right? So again, causality in the Greek sense, this argument in a different way, we can, we can couch it, is causality in the Greek sense means being uncaused and being a cause while being uncaused. And perhaps I, will, I, will, I suppose they will kind of, you know, use Aristotelianism to make that point because Aristotle kind of had that, you know, uh, metaphysic, right? But the problem with this kind of argument, we're like, oh, well, anytime the Greek fathers say that the father is the, is the cause, we just say, we just understand it as being uncaused cause, not excluding that the son is also caused. I mean, you can already see that this argument is a little copish, but the real problem... Bro, we're coping. Bro, we're coping because Gregory this will totally refute Roman Catholicism. Uh, why will it refute Roman Catholicism? Well, if you look at the definition of the Council of Florence, which I've, I've showed this definition... New okay, yeah, he's gonna go he, rambling about Florence. Gonna, he's just gonna bring up, like, oh, well, if you look at Florence, it says indeed as cause because he doesn't understand the difference between cause of origin and principal cause. Like, he just okay, he, I'm gonna bring up this is oration 34, and then I'm also just, gonna bring up 42. just type in the words causality, yeah, yeah, it's right down here. So, okay, but if all that the father has belongs likewise to the son except causality and all that is the son's belongs also to the spirit except his sonship and whatsoever is spoken of him as to incarnation for me a man and for my salvation that taking of mine he may impart his own by this new commingling then cease your babbling though so late o you sophists of vain talk that fall at once to the ground for why will you die o house of israel if I may mourn for you in the words of Scripture. Do, do you not see, like, right after he says, accept causality, do you see what's next? Yeah. Everybody <laughs> do you, does. Do you see? Do you see? And all that is the sons belongs also to the spirit, except his sonship. Gee, I wonder if that's a direct comparison with the previous like sentence. No, you're you're just being silly, dude. Oh, dude, yeah, I, you're right, dude. Actually, you know what? I think I think he's right. I think he's right, bro. He might just be right about this because something. I don't know why, but he just is right. It, it's not like that's like 
he, he just leaves out this second sentence that comes right after this. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. Okay, this is... Okay, so Oration 4215. This is an interesting uh, one as well. Let me share my screen. Oration 4215. And this was at the Council of Constantinople that he gave this oration. Yeah, Vicky Sawyer, we're not voting for you. Okay, so I will... Oh, crap. 15. One concise proclamation of our teaching and inscription intelligible to all is this people, which so sincerely worships the Trinity, that it would sooner sever anyone from this life than sever one of the three from the Godhead, of one mind, of equal zeal, and united to one another, to us, and to the Trinity by unity of doctrine. Briefly to run over its details, that which is without beginning, and is the beginning, and is with the beginning, is one God. Notice, this is very interesting. So, without beginning, and then is the beginning. Hmm. Then is with the beginning. Hmm. Okay, let's let's keep reading. For the nature of that which is without beginning does not consist in being without beginning or being unbegotten. For the nature of anything lies not in what it is not, but what in what it is. It is the assertion of what is, not the denial of what is not. And the beginning is not because it is a beginning separated from that which has no beginning. For its beginning is not its nature any more than the beginning without beginning is the nature of the other. For these are the accompaniments of the nature, not the nature itself. That again, which is with that which has no beginning and with the beginning, is not anything else than what they are. Now the name of that which has no beginning is the Father, and of the beginning the Son, and of that which is with the beginning the Holy Ghost. And the three have one nature, God. And the union is the Father from whom and to whom the order of persons runs its course, not so as to be confounded, but so as to be possessed without distinction of time, of will, or of power. Without distinction of will, look at that. For these things, in our case, produce a plurality of individuals, since each of them is separate both from every other quality, but from every other individual possessed of the same quality. But to these who have a simple nature and whose essence is the same, the term one belongs to the highest sense. Not going to lie, I think this clearly teaches Filioque. The one who is the beginning and then the one who is with the beginning. What do you, what do you boys think? I am I'm reading it. Hold on. I'm just looking at it more. Okay, I will send the section to the curia real quick if you want to check it out. Yes, the stream is still yeah, on sure. fire. No problem. Okay. There you go. So I think um with the beginning and then because in this uh let's see so the father is an archos and then the the son is arche so again this is describing him as a beginning so in this uh he implicitly affirms that the mutual relation between the Holy Spirit and the Son is that of one who proceeds to him from whom he proceeds. So that is quite interesting. 
Okay, but I will continue on with this, the ramblings of the Greeks. Where is, there it is. Now I'm, I'm still waiting for the modal collapse part. We might not get to it this time. I know. I'm thinking, I'm thinking we'll go another like... <laughs> Can we go to one hour? Yeah, we we, we'll hour? probably do that. Just like 20 more minutes. It's probably fine. Yeah, it's 17 minutes. Yeah, we'll go to one hour, and then uh, we'll cover the second hour when we can. If that's fine. Okay. Okay. Numerous, numerous, numerous. But this is a dogmatic definition caused, not excluding that the sun is also caused. I mean, you can already see that this argument is a little copish, but copish. the real problem with this argument is that this will actually totally refute Roman Catholicism. Uh, why will it refute Roman Catholicism? Well, if you look at the definition of the Council of Florence, which I've, I've showed this definition numerous, 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 but this is a dogmatic definition from the Council of Florence. So this is from the sixth session. Read very carefully. especially. Wait a second. This, is this one of, is this his website? I think this is Craig Trulia. I've, I've actually, I've actually is read... this what he is he's literally quote mining right now okay i i'm i'm triggered right now no he's he quote mined the entire time he he first did that when he brought he, up oration 34 and then he, left out the next sentence he talks about the 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 stupid latins who are commenting on all of his youtube videos like quote mining from blogs and this guy is literally quote mining from a blog and he doesn't even have the wherewithal to at least like screenshot it and show us or like copy and paste into a word doc or something so we don't see that it's from a blog no he's literally just bringing up the blog to show us this is this is kind of ridiculous so yeah he says that's true so we have a uh we have a yeah yeah i've actually read this uh i've actually read this um exact article from trulia and trulia just does not understand either like he's like oh you see the latin the Latins um, reject like Maximus. This is from this exact article. I've read it before. It, it's it's in and of itself the article is incomprehensible and it makes no sense because he just he just tries to prove that Maximus doesn't agree with Florence when the entire real reality was that at Florence Maximus was brought up and neither side could agree on the matter whether Maximus was holding to the Catholic position or the Orthodox position because they couldn't figure out what the word cause meant in his writings like truly this article just by truly is in itself a cope so him bringing this up isn't going to bring anything new to the table it, it i, I already be, have like low hopes yeah it can also be mentioned that um original uh scotus john scotus original he he knew greek he was able to speak greek fluently and he even had some preference for the greek fathers over the latin fathers uh, and he knew that quote, quote from St. Maximus, and he still accepted the filioque. So the Latins were aware of that quote from St. Maximus. It wasn't like a big Greek finding. We have always been aware about it, and we never never thought of it contradicting the filioque. Like, um, actually, the opposite was true. Um, Catholic authors mentioned uh, St. Maximus' epistle to Marinus. They have all said that um, that proves the filioque. Yeah, cult of modernism, you're literally saying the exact same thing as Trulia did, and Trulia has like been refuted on this. This is this is false. This is this is ridiculous. Yeah. 
culto yeah. like Truglia, Truglia, he 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 likes to he likes to uh, put put the most ridiculous stuff possible on on his blog. Like there's an article that he wrote regarding Saint Hilary's uh, position on the filioque, and he attempts to translate uh, a small bit um, from Saint Hilary, and and he gets everything wrong. Like he, he isn't able to to translate Latin, and he's clearly and he's translating it clearly to make the non filioque theology to fit in that in that thing. It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. He also has some ridiculous articles on Saint Augustine and the filioque. It's it's horrible. It's a disaster. Like if you, if you read his articles on on that stuff, you will you'll get a great laugh. Man, twelve hundred years after Photius, and the Greeks are still producing forgeries. Yes, yeah, it's crazy. It's 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 really funny because the entire point is like Trulia tries to make the argument. Well, Maximus was brought up by the Greeks, and the Latins said something to the effect of, "Well, we don't accept Maximus's letter because it's incomplete." But what really happened was the Greeks brought the letter up as the formula for union, and they were trying to do this because they wanted to like. They kind of wanted to be, uh, come into union with the Roman Catholics so that they could defend Constantinople. They were like forcing like a fast union, uh, and they knew this. They, this was a very like schemey thing to do by the Greeks because they were trying to submit this formula as a way to like keep their understanding of the filioque while becoming in union with the Catholics. So it, it's just not true. Yes, the Roman Catholic Church rejected maximus's letter but not because maximus's letter was quote-unquote incomplete but the reason why is because they rejected the letter because it, it just could be interpreted in several different ways and we knew that the greeks were going to use that and like abuse that in order to continue to reject the filioque while in union with us so they rejected the letter as a, as a formula of union like craig truly it just gets his entire thing wrong and he's been refuted on this before, and he still like, he still like dies on this hill, like he's still like, no, you're wrong, and then doesn't he just he just goes in like a a logical circle on this. He will go, oh well, that's not what the Council of Florence says, and then when we explain what the Council says, he just cites the exact same quote and says, but you're not reading it correctly. Yeah, yeah, they did reject it because the Greeks were trying to like scheme with it. Yeah, they rejected it. Not because they thought it was wrong. They thought that Maximus proved the filioque. They just knew that the Roman... Ca they just, or Sorry. They just knew that the Greeks were going to try and use it to their advantage, to abuse the understanding. Like, yeah, they rejected it. But not because they reject a letter as heretical. They, they think that the letter proves the filioque. Like, you're just... You're trying to take my words out of context, Colt. You're trying to take it completely out of context. Like, stop. Stop what you're doing. That's, like, very uncharitable. I just explained the full thing, and then you you, you focus on that, but they rejected it. Stop. Stop and, doing that. And I believe that St. Maximus very clearly supported the filioque. Like, in, in his uh, questions to Talasim um, 63, he, he uh, if you read um, the original Latin and Greek, um, if you read the original Greek and the Latin translation of it, you can see that he clearly understands um understands the filioque in that in that passage he he, he believes in the filioque in that passage he uses a lot the expression from the father through the son uh which gregory nisa shows very clearly that 
it means that the essence comes from the sun. Um, and there's also a very interesting evidence that um, Maximus believed in Filioque because he he had because um, uh, you guys probably know Saint Theodore of Canterbury. He was a Greek yes, and he was appointed yes. Bishop of Canterbury by the Pope, uh, and he was sent there with a monk called Adrian, who was African. And the interesting thing is that Af uh, Adrian was he, he was African, and uh, Saint Augustine lived lived in Africa. He was probably uh, he was almost certainly very Augustinian. And Saint Theodore of Canterbury, he was a personal disciple of Saint Maximus. He lived with Maximus, and he was his personal disciple. Um, and he was uh, with Maximus in Lateran. And Theodore, who was Bishop of uh, Canterbury, he presided over the Council of Hatfield with Adrian and the Council of Hatfield, as everyone knows, taught the Filioque. And this council was approved by Pope Agatha. So we have, very interestingly, a disciple, a personal disciple of St. Maximus, presiding over a council that teaches the filioque but so. but 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 my my plaques they but but he put up the plaques um and leo the third put up plaques and uh it didn't have the filioque so, latin's debunked so elijah no i've never actually heard that um as far as i've heard no they just say like oh the latins rejected it and that they rejected it because they thought it was like wrong we don't. We rejected it, yes, but not because we reject it personally. We accept it personally. We did reject it as the formula because we yeah, thought was, the Greeks are going to abuse it. It was so proposed that, as the formula for for mutual understanding, but uh, this letter is only fragmentary and it's not uh, very clear. The Greeks were trying to interpret that in, in a in a way to fit their original theology into that. Um, yeah. So that's why the catholic church wanted a more precise definition okay and then i will continue it but you uh cult you said saint maximus in responses to thalassio 63 is the exact position dogmatized at black Renee. no no black Renee misinterprets maximus okay Probably. so i have i have 63 up right now if you give me more details about the specific I'm, uh, i mean i location, mean location then i can Pull that up. I have I have it open right now on 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 Bear Boom. So. Considering 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 the fact that like again Maximus when he writes about the cause, like it can be taken. The Greeks have taken it to mean their position, and we have taken it to mean our positions. Like I don't see how. Oh well, Maximus ratified at Black and it proves anything because that's probably just the Greek interpretation of him, just like they interpreted. Um, him during Florence, like that's that's why we had to reject it because that's why we had to reject the documents because of the interpretation of the Greeks rather than the interpretation of the Latins. So I don't see any problem with, well, yeah, it was it was at Blackernay, but like, okay, <laughs> that's just because they interpreted it wrong. Okay, and then let us continue. We got sixteen minutes. You guys should invite Truglio on your show. Um, no. this part the sun according to the greeks so according to the greeks you know these guys think not florence but like some of these people making arguments for the filioque when they read these you know statements from the fathers 
you know, uh, the Greek sense of the word cause, it has to mean uncaused cause. And then Florence says, yeah, the sun is cause in the Greek sense. So if that's how you're going to couch it, then doesn't that mean that Florence is saying that the sun is uncaused? If you're going to say, no, uh, there's a different Greek sense of the word cause. Well, you stupid idiot. You're, you're, you're a moron. Let me, let me just bring this up right now. <laughs> Go back. Okay, let's, back. okay, okay. Oh my gosh, this is this is retardation. I will I will go back five seconds. Oh my gosh, I can think of a Latin before Florence who was very influential on in it, who said that cause in a Greek sense. Let me say it has a completely different gloss to it. Okay, let me pull it up right now. Gosh. Look, contrary rules, Corcorum, chapter one, how the son is understood to be related to the father as something caused to its cause. Look, look at this. Look at this. The reason they said, according to the Greek sense of cause is because, dummy, the Latins don't use the word cause. We use principle, as St. Thomas teaches here. This is just literally read this chapter. That's why they said that. They weren't saying that it's because he's... Uh, because uh, the sun is in the Greek sense of being an uncaused cause. That's not why. It's because Latins don't use the word cause usually. We use the word principle. Okay. If, you, if you go back, he, he, it explains it. Literally the exact quote from, go back to the other thing. And he says like, it, it, it says like, uh, here, look. According to the Greeks, indeed, as cause, and according to the Latins, so it's comparing what is known. Yeah, look, in, according to the Greeks, indeed, as cause, and according to Latins, as principle of subsistence of the Holy Spirit, just like the Father. I, I didn't even, I didn't even, uh, I didn't even see that. Like he did. Yeah, he straight up just, just says, Thomas like, says, he straight up literally just like quote minds according to the Greek, indeed, as cause, and it's right there under what. Indeed, as cause, according to the Greeks, means to us Latins. Like, he literally puts that right under it. Oh, <laughs> and he just, like, ignores that. You got, <laughs> you got bro, they're not sending this, their best. This is the second time he's been debunked by the second half of a sentence. Bro, they're, they're really, either they're, they're not sending their best, or if they are sending their best, like, it's just sad. The famous Basarian tweet that I would rather be a Muslim than a Christian yeah. Orthodox. <laughs> this is oh, this is this is very telling. This is extremely yeah, telling. I, I have to go right now. Uh, nerd. Okay, I guess uh, we'll wrap it up right there uh, at right. forty-four minutes. Thank you, Basarian, for being on. You've All been right. a pleasure thank and a big you. help. So I will talk to you later, Basarian. Cool. Thank you. All right, guys. I guess we'll wrap it up. Okay. So we will be doing a part two to this. Let me stop sharing my screen. Okay. This has been pretty good. Let's see uh, if the arguments get any better because this has been pretty darn terrible so far. Um, and people keep talking about stuff in the chat, but I'm not. we're not going to treat that. I'll, I will actually um, – I'm going to save it. I'm going to save COVID. We'll address it next time because um, I'm going to save it and I'll send it to my alt account. I'm going to send um, the definition of Fodi, uh, sorry, the definition of black and a right into my alt. So that way, like, I don't want to just like 
forget, you know, his, uh, what he's saying here. I yeah. want to I want to respond to this next time. Okay. Yeah. No, that's perfectly. That was hilarious. That was like a really that was really fun. And this this is this is the the, the smartest smartest Greek apologist. Bro, bro, they're they're they refuted us so hard, right? We, we've been debunked. <laughs> bro, it, it totally doesn't like. <laughs> and this is like the the funnier one because it's like in a he doesn't you know in oration thirty four when he quotes oration thirty four right it's just like he leaves out the rest of the sentence. But like this one, he streams the rest of the sentence. And then he doesn't streamed read it. the rest of the sentence. They just left it out. You just okay, Christian. Do you have a? You must have Master Eros on. Uh, that would be such a schizo chat. That would be very much a schizo chat. Oh, I would consider it. He seems pretty pretty bright. By by the way, um, cult of cult of modernism. Said, or I think someone said, um, you guys should have Craig Truly on. That might not even that be that bad because, like, I'll, I'll be honest, um, he is definitely like, like, um, he's a very honest Orthodox like apologist, and I mean that in the sense of like, although I think he's wrong, like, he has called out Ubi Petrus, he's called out like other people, so you know, I, I, I actually do think he's like a very, very respectable guy. He wouldn't. He wouldn't do anything like insane, and I have had like a Twitter conversation with him before. So yeah, may maybe Christian, you might want to maybe consider that. I'll, I don't know. I'll I'll, I... I'll I'll talk to you later about it. I can't really talk about it on stream. But, okay, okay. Yeah, there's a different reason why, but um, okay. So thank you, All everybody. Right. Uh, make sure you go to uh, christianbwagner.com/shop if you want to pick up any of the excellent books I reprint. Or uh, patreon.com slash militantomist if you want to become a patron. And remember, it is Easter and Christ has risen from the dead. Hallelujah.